0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy,
1: wimpy, wimpy! <laughs>
0: And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent.
1: Hefty, hefty, hefty!
0: (sighs) (sighs) Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. The following is brought to you by The Social Suplex Podcast Network.
2: This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style podcast, and it is the best. Welcome to Keeping a Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Karen Peterson. On today's show, we're reviewing Power Struggle, previewing Best of Super Junior and World Tag League, answering your questions, and covering all his news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping a Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pros and Tees store, prosandteas.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, we are joined today by our good friend Karen. Karen, how are you doing?
3: Very well. How are we doing, fellas?
2: Good. Good to have you on the show.
3: I'm excited to be here.
4: I just, uh, I wish you'd give me... The kind of introduction you just gave, Karen. <laughs> weekly.
3: <laughs> well, see, I have, I got a haircut. I'm blonde now, so like this is my big push. Don't, don't, don't smother my push.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're giving Karen the big main event push here. She oh. Wants me to put her over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please,
1: please do. <laughs>
4: <laughs> There's a job to do. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> hey, young boy, how are you doing, man? I'm sore. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Karen. I don't know if you know, but a uh, young boy here has been training to be a pro wrestler with Matt Okay hey
3: Now, yeah, good for you. Are we? Am I allowed to ask where you've been training at, or is it just your at home training?
4: No, it's uh with it's at the side dojo with Matt Seidel. Uh, oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I get beat up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, you know what they say, no pain, no gain, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm in pain today. Normally, I'm fine. Like, normally I'm like, but like, I don't know, I got beat up last night, so.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, Karen, I know a lot of our listeners are probably very familiar with you on Twitter. Your Twitter is at Hey Karen Sensei. You do a lot of great translations from a lot of the the Japanese posts that go out, a lot of Japanese promos that go out. So I'm sure our our family is very familiar with you. Uh, But kind of get started. Tell us, you know, when and how did you get started watching New Japan?
3: Well, interestingly enough, back in 2017, I was really into watching British wrestling. And one of the promotions I watched at the time was WCPW, which was later Defiant, up in Newcastle. Uh, They had a very ambitious, uh, I think it was 64-person pro wrestling World Cup. And they had different international brackets. I watched the Japan bracket and immediately fell in love with the juniors because it was everybody. It was uh then IWGP junior heavyweight and ROH TV champion Kushida Bushi Hiromu, uh young lion, then young lions uh, Yohei Kamatsu and uh Sho Tanaka. Taguchi was there. Mm-hmm. It was I think Liger. and I just f- fell in love with it. So I blame Kushida for everything
0: because <laughs> his
3: match with Tanaka was what I finally made me ask someone, where can I watch New Japan? Mm. And then I made the, the, the gruesome mistake of starting with the G1 that was immediately after that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great place to jump in.
3: <laughs> oh, it was awful because it also overlaps with the, one of the busiest times of the year at my office, which is like I don't sleep for two weeks. So that on top of the G1 – I wasn't having a good time <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so who's your current favorite NJPW wrestler?
3: Well, my current – I actually – people always get on me about this. I have three because <laughs> I have I have a junior tag team that are my absolute favorites, and then I have a heavyweight. So, of course, Show and Yo – for Pongi 3K, those are my boys. Yeah. Of the two, if I had to pick gun to my head, Show's the one I would rank a little bit higher oh, over <laughs> Yo.
4: I was gonna say because I always see like I, you definitely post both, but I see like little Show dolls and things like that. Like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah, for every show I have a Yo. Just 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 for the record, um, and then from the heavyweights, Tanahashi is my heart and soul. I love him. I respect him, and yeah. It's just incredible.
2: <laughs> nice. Um, and so, the, what is your favorite New Japan match of all time?
3: Of all time, now see, this was a hard one for me to uh, go with. Um, the of the ones I've seen live,
0: mm. it would be
3: three uh, K finally beating Ishimori and ELP at the Dome, mm. at the Tokyo Dome. It was my first trip back to Japan in six years. Uh, So for me, it was a very emotionally charged uh, storyline, as well as something I was very invested in as a fan. Uh, One of the ones I've seen on TV, uh, Show vs. Shingo and Best of the Super Juniors opening night 2019, which is one of New Japan's top five matches of the year.
4: Man, absolutely. It's a great matchup. Yeah, you know what's funny? um, You were probably the perfect person to be on this episode, and we didn't even really put that much forethought into it. We we brought you on because we like you. But then oh, I love you guys too. <laughs> but once once everything starts shaking out with like the announcements for the super juniors and some of these kind of questionable, you know, divisive booking decisions with power struggle, I was like, oh man, Karen is probably the perfect person because she loves the juniors and she might even be able to give us a little bit of insight to what the Japanese fan base might be thinking as opposed to you know just a stateside groupie so
3: <laughs> yeah i will do my best
4: and speaking of the japanese translations i didn't have this question
2: on here but did you when did you kind of start learning japanese language i'm guessing that was before you started watching new japan
3: oh it's a long long story <laughs> when i was 14 i just i was that's when sailor moon first landed here in yes. the united states Dude, I love sailor so i decided moon. at 14 i would live and work in japan at some point in my life and by 23 i was boarding a plane to be to go teach english for five and a half years so I lived out in Japan for five and a half years, came back, worked a series of different jobs. But between the time I was in Japan back in 2003 until probably around two th- late 2014, I didn't watch wrestling. I could have watched the origin stories of Tanahashi Hiroshi <laughs> and Kenta and like all of my favorites now. They were, they were, their, they were young lions when I was over there because I'm close to them all in age. So I kind of feel like like buyer's are more like I didn't get into, into wrestling when I was over there. Just because I didn't I was in the middle of nowhere. I had no access to it. I didn't understand anything about it. Um, but it wasn't until about 2014 when Kenta was debuted at a house show here for NXT. That was the very first NXT house show I went to. I met him. He was lovely and I was hooked from that point. And I was at the time transitioning from one job to another from a, a job where I used Japanese in my job to where I am at now where I don't. So finding New Japan and interacting with fans in Japanese, both uh, through different blogs and websites and uh, especially on Twitter, it rekindled that love for the language that I, I never lost, but it gave me purpose. I was able to use it to help bridge the information gap between Western fans and Japanese fans. Help also to kind of bridge that cultural gap because how we do things here. As you know, is very different how they do it over there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. sometimes there's there's a a lack of understanding as to why we get something here that they don't get over there. For example, at a Festival of Honor before Madison Square Garden, that five person Los In Gobernables de japon meet and greet broke their brains in Japan because they don't get that.
1: <laughs> they don't
3: get they don't get to meet the yeah. You know they get they get hauntai sometimes chaos and that's it. They don't get bullet club meet and greets. They don't get Suzuki Goon meet and greets. So it was it was trying to trying to help bridge that understanding that what is popular there may not necessarily be popular here and for what how often they have the shows versus what we have. So it's kind of like I'm trying to build a bridge as it were, <laughs> a very long one like an eight thousand mile bridge. <laughs>
4: One one hot take here. Uh, Jeremy likes Moonlight Night better than Tuxedo Mask. I, I've n- I've never said that. So <laughs>
3: all right. Well, <laughs> I was going to say Tuxedo Mask. While he's cute and shows up at the right time, he's pretty useless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I'm a big uh, Sailor Jupiter fan over here.
3: Good choice. Always a good choice. <laughs>
2: All right. I mean, we could talk anime all day, but we've got to jump into Power Struggle. So, we had Power Struggle 2020 this past weekend. Um, Karen, overall thoughts before we kind of dive into the card, overall thoughts on Power Struggle this weekend?
3: Uh, well, it, Power Struggle's always been one of those series that, like, I think having it right after the G1, I was just so spent from the G1 that I was just tired <laughs> by the time Power Struggle ran around. Uh, I did like the series of matches that they put together for it. But I didn't. I, truth be told, I was not up at three o'clock in the morning to watch it. I watched <laughs> it after I made a nice brunch, and you know had time to go back and watch through it slowly. Um, my favorite match was actually very early on the card, as opposed to you know, probably the more crucial matches that we'll talk about later. That sets up, you know, the big things for January.
2: Right, young boy. Overall thoughts on Power Struggle?
4: I thought this was a good maybe not quite great card. Um, But, you know, that is understandable. Like Karen mentioned, it's right after the G1. It's kind of slotted in the same role as, like, Destruction usually is. And we're getting ready to go into that, like, rest period of December with World Tag League that is traditionally reserved for, like, we got to rest up for Dome season. So um, every now and again, you'll get a big banger, you know, like Omega Ishii, something like that. But even... Even those matches typically underperform what you're used to seeing in the G1. So I wasn't surprised at all here. They still had a fantastic lineup. It was still an enjoyable night of watching. I think the biggest drawback was the amount of rematches. And mm. I and when I first saw the card, I was like, okay, great. You know, a lot of these matches I liked. They were really great. I can't wait. Then once they started happening, I was like, man, we saw this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was probably, like, my one takeaway. But uh this isn't going to be a show of the year contender by any means, but still solid, you know, B-level pay-per-view card.
2: Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. It was definitely an enjoyable show. Like you mentioned, the, the rematches were kind of a little bit of a drawback. We, we saw some of that kind of stuff. And, yeah, you know, this, this fall time, you know, Power struggles, you know, was that last kind of big stop before Wrestle Kingdom. But, you know, we had the G1 before, so still kind of feeling that G1 fatigue. And then looking forward, you know, after Power Struggle, you know, we have, you know, 28 events coming up between... World Tag League, Best of Super Junior, and the Super J Cup all coming up between here in November and December. So normally this time we're taking a little bit of a breather. We've got a couple of weeks, and then World Tag League starts, and you can kind of coast through that. But no, we're going hot and heavy here going
4: into the end of the year. You, you think we are, but I've got a suspicion that we're not going hot and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> we're going low and mild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all
2: right, well, let's talk about this Power Struggle card. So opened up. We had the... King of pro wrestling, uh, provisional trophy on the line in Oh a, wow, <laughs> big stakes In a no corner pads match as the current provisional champion Toriano Defeated his old rival Zack Sabre Jr. 12 minutes and 11 seconds via countout Karen, thoughts on this matchup?
3: So the week right before this match, Yano does a live stream every week on Fridays on his YouTube channel. And he asked the fans what kind of stipulations would have been preferred. My personal favorite was someone said a no English language match. (laughs) Meaning Zach would have to figure out how to use Japanese to get by in the match. And the referee would also have to use only Japanese to officiate the match. Hmm. That was my preference. The no corner pad match. It really didn't do anything like they spent more time taking the pads off than they weren't fighting with them. They weren't – I feel like they could have picked a better stipulation for it, honestly.
4: Or or a better concept for a title. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like the majority of the match, yeah, they, they took the turnbuckle pads off at the beginning, but they spent a lot of time trying to get them back on. <laughs> I <laughs> so, thought that was funny. They were <laughs> like,
4: we're going to put them back on. Yeah. Take them off to put them back on. But, uh, you know, the, the thing with this is 12 minutes is – Especially long for a Yano match. <laughs> um, this was too long for 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 what they did. They did a lot of really great four to five minute Yano match stuff, but stretched out over twelve minutes. And yeah, I wasn't with that.
2: Yeah, of course we will get to the end where um, Yano is on the outside. Sabers has a submission on in the railings, but then Yano, being the you know the genius that he is, he ties Sabers' shoelaces together. Runs back in, beats the count, Sabre couldn't get in. He was stuck to the, the railing there with his shoes like his tied and uh Torriano retains his KOPW trophy.
4: The thing here is Saber's had a fantastic year, but he's right on the cusp of like wrestler of the year nominees, and he kinda needed this accolade to push him over the top. So this failure is like <laughs> monumental. A, I mean a big hit for him. huge hit. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs>
3: For someone who's so limber and flexible, <laughs> you would think he could have just, like, rubbed his heels together and got out of his shoes and walked to the ring. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, well, son, you're smarter than this. <laughs> I know you're smarter than this.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because this is one of my favorite pairings and it just didn't quite work for me because it's yeah. too long. We do have a question here from uh, Success61 and – We can all go, just quick rapid fire Do you prefer Yano Sabre from G1 or Power Struggle? Jeremy? Uh, G1 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 It's unanimous, ladies and gentlemen Uh, On that note, why would Sabre attack Kid and after the match? They were just trying to help him get out of that barricade
2: (laughs) Well, you know, we had to get our traditional post-match, you know, Sabre temper tantrum um, And just, you know, being furiously lost to Toriyano And so, you know, the Young Lions were in his way And so, learning from his, you know Sensei Mino Suzuki and just you know, Taking out the young lions
4: They're there to be Ooh. used And abused you <laughs> gotta get your heat back kid
3: Uemura <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't deserve To get like scissors brandished at him that's, <laughs> <pretty
2: fair. laughs> that's right Sabre went uh, running After him with the pair of scissors
4: <laughs> You know it's weird I don't know how I missed that I don't, I don't remember that like at all <laughs>
2: <laughs> That was hilarious it was like the best part of the post Match Oh yeah. man so then we move on to the second match of the evening. We had the never open weight title on the line as the dragon, Chingo Takagi, defeated the king, Minoru Suzuki, 18 minutes 56 seconds here. So we got a new never open weight champion. Karen, your thoughts on this matchup?
4: Karen's raring to go. She must really like this match.
3: <laughs> this was my match of the night. Hmm. Honestly, I feel like a lot of often a lot, there's a lot of negativity towards the never title, but it's like a workhorse title. It's like, you don't have to be the top guy. You don't have to be the, the newest guy. It's the people who can just go out there and fight as hard as possible. And yeah, it was a rehash from Summer Struggle where Shingo lost the belt to Suzuki. But I I can do 10 minutes of murder with the two of them. It's fine. It was just... It really... It woke me up after that somewhat long and anticlimactic <laughs> opening match. But I really, like... Shingo made a comment about this after this match afterwards. He's like, I can't believe it was so like a title defense was actually low, so much lower on the card than the two contracts to fight for a title. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, like I want more people to put respect on the never open weight title.
4: Yeah. Put respect on it. six
3: man hand. eventually, but maybe <laughs> steps will start with the never open weight.
4: Listen, you bring up a really great point, Karen. Let me just throw this out there. It's going to sound controversial. You go look at the match ratings, you tell me I'm wrong. What's been hot? Like what's been better this year? The IWGP Double Championship or the Never title? No, not even just that. The Never title and or the Never 6-man tag team titles because you've had better matches contested for both Never championships than the double championships this year and that sounds blasphemous, literally.
3: My man, that's <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. The never titles, both never uh, singles and six man titles, have they've been on fire this year, especially with Shingo being involved in the never title picture pretty much all this year. You know, thinking back to you know New Beginning uh, tour in the beginning of the year and all throughout um, since they came back from the pandemic, and then the never six man titles. You know, we've been looking at that as we've been working on our year in awards and seeing the the best tag matches, and you know Yoshihashi. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ishii and Goto have just been killing it as a unit. We also had some other great stuff with you know Lij at the beginning of the year. So at yeah, the beginning of the year, yeah. And so both yeah never division. It never is twenty twenty, and so it's been awesome. But uh, overall, I really like this matchup as well. Um, probably my my second favorite matchup of the night. But I, I love Shingo Suzuki matches. Obviously, uh, Shingo was coming in here with back injury. Suzuki worked over the back tr- throughout the road to Power Struggle show. So. We saw a lot of throwing into the barricades, Shingo having—or Suzuki having a lot of offense on the back of Shingo, and obviously that kind of slowed down Shingo's power offense, not able to get, you know, the the made in Japan and struggling to get the last of the dragon.
4: Yeah, this was a completely different style matchup than the two previous encounters this year we've seen between these guys. Um, Like you mentioned, Jeremy, the back was a focal point, the target of the story— And so as opposed to this, you know, Haas battle, you know, strong style strike war that we're used to between these guys, we kind of got more of a storytelling match where, you know, Suzuki had a target. He was aiming for that. Shingo's doing his best to survive. He's literally fighting from underneath, which is um, when he's had to do that in certain matches, like you look at, like, say the Kanemaru match from Super Juniors last year. Yeah. He's fantastic in that role, but he just doesn't. Get to do it very often. So it makes it all that much more effective when it's done. Um, I still prefer the Jingu Stadium show or sh- uh, show match over this one just because that one like blew me away. But this one was still awesome. It's not far off. I mean, probably four stars. I loved it. Uh, I agree with you. It's my second favorite match of the night, but that's a good sign on a show like this because you have two really excellent matches. Um, and Shingo kind of avenging the loss to Suzuki is very poetic. Um, It is somewhat unfortunate because one of these guys had to drop a belt and had to kind of take a loss after they both have had fantastic years and we're getting ready to go into the dome. And you kind of don't want to see either of them really left out in the cold. But unfortunately, with the way they book, that might be the case. But then again, there's two nights, so it's hard to say.
2: Right. Yeah, and something else with this matchup too, I mean – Towards the end, there was that, that great kind of Lariat exchange there, and, and Shingo just throwing Lariat after Lariat to uh, finally get oh, Suzuki down. Yes. Um, which kind of led to the post-match. Suzuki looked he was kind of knocked out um, after the matchup there.
4: Did Yeah, did you guys... I heard Dave Meltzer say that that was legit. It didn't look legit to me. It just looked like Suzuki was doing the fantastic sell job he always does. But maybe... Maybe, like, you know, it's the boy who cried wolf too many times. Like, maybe he really got knocked loopy. I don't know. Did you guys notice anything?
3: I think it's one of those matches where they both went in knowing that it was a rehash of a very recent match of theirs. So they they could have gone overboard trying to make it better. So I if, if it was, it was not, I don't think it was anything too concerning. But he did kind of look like he had his bell rung by the time he left. Because he wasn't killing all the young lions on his way out either.
2: <laughs> right. And usually even when he loses, he's normally like smiling or laughing from defeat. He's so got
3: something going on up here.
2: Right. And especially that last sequence where, like, he was kind of bumbling around off the lariats. Like, it looked like he was supposed to kind of fall down earlier. And Chingu just kind of kept throwing the lariats, kept throwing the lariats uh, until he finally went down. So nah,
4: I, I thought they put t- – I was like, man, these guys really put together a sequence. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> these are masters. <laughs> and then when he, like, was crawling out, I was like, Man what a pro he's really He's going to the Bob Backlund and Madison Square Garden treatment. He's putting this kid over huge Like I, I just I didn't know anything Bad happened
2: yeah I'm not 100% sure It could it could be a work could be a shoot but either Way fantastic matchup uh, Shingo hits the last of the dragon he's Finally able to get some strength in that back To get Suzuki up drops him down One two three Shingo Is the new never open Weight champion
1: <laughs>
2: and Karen is very happy <laughs> Yes Um, So thanks to our next matchup here, Uh,
4: matchup number three, we had the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada. The former Rainmaker, (laughs) he's got to earn that moniker back. I don't know. He's (laughs) the money clipper now. He's the money clipper. (laughs) (laughs) The money clipper, the coupon clipper. That that sounds like yeah, sounds like like some like suburban mom who's like cutting coupons or something. The coupon (laughs) clipper. (laughs) (laughs) The coupon clipper of chaos,
2: Kazuchika Okada defeats the Dominator, Great Okada. Uh, by rep decision, 12 minutes, 58 seconds. Karen, what are you thinking about this?
3: I really, I don't know. It's it, I've seen Okarin wrestle um, here in the States when he did uh, the New Beginning Tour, not this past January, but last year when they had the whole visa issue. Right, the North and Carolina
2: that
4: that shows.
3: Yeah, I was at the Charlotte show.
4: North Carolina.
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's a carryover from his Rev Pro UK character that he's done over there. I just feel like bringing him back and aligning him with Osprey and kind of like throwing him in the middle of all of this. It kind of the Okada Osprey portion of it is eclipsing the entire match for me. So I really I tried to get into it, but it really didn't do anything for me.
4: Hmm. What do you think, young boy? Uh, well, I don't disagree with Karen. Um, I totally see where she's coming from. Um, I just... I don't have enough yet to really make a definitive uh, statement on any of this because it's so new. I will agree, it's not necessarily coming off as the most um, authentic pairing, you know? You look at, like, say... the well, I mean, the, the most recent thing that we can point to is, say, L.I.J. And the way that that all happened was very... Authentically, You know, slowly introducing new characters, having a storyline reason. This almost feels somewhat rushed. You know, we, you and I have been joking off the air. It's like he's calling Okan his brother, but we've never seen these two guys interact <laughs> in either company right. ever before. So I see that element of it. At the same time, like I said, it's so fresh that maybe they've got time to get it right. Typically, New Japan, they do. I can't remember the last time they whiffed on an entire... Uh, you know, faction. Um, Karen, you put your hand up. Did you have something?
3: Yeah. Well, the other the other part is is that in Rev Pro, he was the tag team champion with Rampage Brown, who yes. incidentally got signed away to NXT UK, and he found out on Twitter about it. So <laughs> it, it's it, it's kind of like I don't know what they're gonna do with him, which is part of the reason I'm just kind of not all like, all right, Oka's back from excursion. I, <laughs> I need I need to know what they're gonna do with him.
1: Yeah, that's
2: a big thing. I feel like the, the whole purpose of this match was this was just kind of a roadblock for Okada before he can get to Osprey. You know, right. n- normally when we see some of the young Lions come back and they're in a big matchup with a singles guy, usually it's kind of to kind of set them up. You know, we we talked last week about you know Jay White when he came in he had that big match with Tanahashi, and even though he lost that matchup, it was clear yeah. that they were kind of setting him up to be on that top echelon, kind of that top you know feuding Absolutely. with the top guys. With O'Connor, just kind of feel like you know he's just kind of the muscle. He's the guy that you face before you face Osprey. He's kind of that roadblock kind of guy, and you know they did make him look dominant throughout the Road to uh, Power Struggle shows. You know he got all the pinfalls on the Young Lions. He laid Okada out every night. Um, and, you know he was dominant here in this match, and Okada did have to kind of work from underneath. But you know it was, it was a quick match. You know typically you would think, all right. Young Lions coming back. Maybe he's going to get a showcase match here for Okada. It's going to be this, you know, 20, 25 minute epic. He's going to show all the stuff he, he he's learned and what he can do. And we just really didn't get that here. It's yeah. kind of a quick, you know, 12 minutes. You know, Okada gets a heat or Oka gets a heat on Okada. Okada finally fights back and then he, he locks that uh, money clip on and he, pa- he passes out Okan.
4: Well, I mean, yes. But here's the thing when I saw this match, I didn't. Related to say like Hiromu or jay white coming back or even like Rapunge 3k It reminded me more of like when they brought sonata in or evil initially and I think that's the role He's here to facilitate, you know as being that second-in-command, which is fine. It's a fine role for him Um, He did look dominant dominant The one thing I will say is like even though I still pine for the oak of old because that's one of my favorite guys and he's not gonna be that I'm not completely down and out on this iteration of Okan the way I was when he was in RevPro. Like some of the character work is kind of coming through. I kind of like the screams. I kind of like the different offense. It's a different looking style, and it and I think he's still finding himself. So that aspect of it is, you know, it's still yet to be determined. But I didn't think he looked out of his element against Okada whatsoever.
3: Um, the, yeah, he looked fine. Yeah,
4: he looked fine. The one thing though is this match just ended. So abruptly like Mm -hmm. out of nowhere money clip There's nothing that cools a crowd more than (laughs) the freaking money clip and then it was just over Um, I think we got to talk about will Ospreay though here
2: Yep, so obviously after the matchup we had the the post-match promo from will Ospreay come to the ring He's wearing his you know 10,000 pound fancy three-piece suit. He's drinking some champagne He's got these glasses on He's got his 13,000 pound uh, watch on And, you know, really trying to pil- uh, play into this whole fancy, you know, empire gimmick that he's got going on now And comes in the ring and cuts this r- big, long promo And how, you know, he, w- he wants to end Okada at, at Wrestle Kingdom And how he's going to get more money And how he can afford all this stuff And he's throwing the watch and all this stuff And then Okada's just looking at him confused the whole time And he's finally like, you know what, I, I understand a few things Like, I understand me... You, Wrestle Kingdom, Tokyo Dome, and I accept. And so that's what we got here. So kind of the first big matchup kind of being built here, Okada and Osprey for Wrestle Kingdom 15. What are your thoughts on that, Karen?
3: See, I have to laugh about his, Osprey's approach in saying that Okada's the one holding him back. (laughs) Because... I will be the first to admit I am not a very large Osprey fan. And I for a long time have felt that Osprey held the entire junior division back like an Okada where he was the he was the guy. He was the shadow that everybody else in the division was trapped under. So it's like I find some of the way he cuts this promo about being held back and being oppressed and being oh poor me, I find <laughs> it to be very it's the pot calling the kettle black, so I don't I don't find that it has any merit. And him trying to wear the fancy suit and drink the fancy champagne, I'm like, you're just you're just trying to do an Okada cosplay because mm. that's Okada's gimmick. He's the rich kid, yeah. So I I it's I'm I had to go back and rewatch that part because I kind of fast forward through because he just kept talking. <laughs> it was really long. I was like, I don't have time for this. Keep going. But yeah, it's I don't. If they put the Rev Pro title into that match, I might be more interested in it. Oh, absolutely. Because I I want Okada to have a belt, just not one of the usual belts that he's had. I want him to carry other belts.
0: Hmm. And a Rev
3: Pro one, if they were eventually to be able to take it, have Okada go back to Rev Pro at some point when everything's fine, I think like other, like Ishii and Shibata, it would help strengthen interest in Rev Pro.
4: Hulk Hogan, that makes sense. Hulk Hogan doesn't wear other belts. He wears the winged eagle, and that's it. And the same with Okada. <laughs> no, but um, I will tell you this. As someone who has an affinity for fine suits and an affinity for nice watches, I can tell you this right now. I love the gimmick idea, but that was not a nice suit. <laughs> Did you see those shoulder pads? And I don't care how many pounds he said that that watch was. That that watch was not. Now I hey I get it. He's a worker. He's a carny. Fake it till you make it. One day he'll have you know the Ric Flair you know fit. But he did not. He came out there acting like he did. But like I was like oh I don't know. There's a lot of creases in that suit. I don't know about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um. Fuji on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> um. And you know what? The skeleton of his promo, there was merit to what he was saying, but the way he delivered it the amount of time it took to get there. Like he's someone who could really like benefit from promo class because he's just never been a strong promo and he's probably one of the best wrestlers of his generation and of today. But yeah, the promo, the promos weren't good. Um, but I am excited for this matchup. Uh, I agree with Karen when he was talking about like he was held back. There is really no actual storyline evidence that he was ever held back. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. But part of it, you. that might work to a certain degree because when a heel is delusional, they can convince him of something that isn't actually the case at all. And I think maybe that's kind of what's going on here. But, um, you know, we never had, like, that little breadcrumb where, like, he wanted to go heavyweight and, you know, kind of, like... Had him on the stomach He's like It's not for you Bubba Like that never <laughs> happened Right
2: yeah, I mean there Obviously there was a story Of Osprey wanting to beat Okada They know That there's a series of matches Going on And so it was kind of That a big deal
4: Wait, But So he held him back By being better than him By beating him <laughs> I mean
2: You didn't let me win mate You didn't put me over You put me over I put you over <laughs> That's the whole problem. Osprey wanted, you know, Oka to lay down for him. You know, he wanted a finger poke a doom situation, but no no yob. <laughs> But the Rainmaker wasn't wasn't playing the job to him. So yeah, kinda interesting wrinkle in the storyline here. Uh we did have a question um about Ocon from one one of our Reddit listeners here from Reddit user MCI zero one zero says, Where do you see the great Ocon going from here?
4: To the World Tag League. Yeah, <laughs>
3: I think it depends on who they bring in as his partner, if it is a temporary partner or a permanent partner.
4: I think I think his partner's gonna be Rampage Brown. No, (laughs) (laughs) nice try. Yeah, I don't think we're
2: opening that forbidden door to NXT UK anytime soon.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're gonna talk about that here in a little bit, but as far as like, I guess just the general trajectory, my general gist of it is he's gonna be second in command. I think that. They're going to need a pin eater And I don't think it's going to be him So that's kind of what I'm thinking
2: Yeah, and we'll talk about his partner later But I definitely feel like it's going to be somebody That can kind of facilitate that that pin eater role uh, For the Empire So moving on to the next matchup here We had the IWGP US heavyweight title Number one contendership briefcase on the line (laughs) As uh, (laughs) two of Karen's favorites actually uh, Kenta Defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi 19 minutes and 57 seconds to keep his briefcase and right to challenge uh, current IWGP US Champion John Moxley.
4: Allegedly.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I've got all kinds of beef about John Moxley still being the champion, but we won't get into that just yet. <laughs> um, what I loved about Kenta in the G1 after since he had won the briefcase was that he went in. Oh, we have not we have. A, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
4: A yeah, Josh switched up the drink. <laughs> Everybody, I'm drinking on there. Oh no!
3: I <laughs> sounds like, "What is he drinking? What, what flavor we got going I got, on?"
4: I got truly wildberry, and it's a it's a recommend. I'd give it like uh, I don't know four and a quarter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so to get back to where we were going with okay. this, Kent did the G1 the way I wish they would have had Jay White and Evil do it, without anybody supporting him ringside. Mm, yeah. So the fact so the fact that he was carrying that briefcase, he got it, he brought it over, he bashed it open instead of using the tape to fix the briefcase, he just wrote Tanahashi's name on the briefcase and then demanded insistently that Tanahashi pay to replace the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> um, this match... regardless of the outcome, I was going to be happy if Kenta retained it. I was going to be happy if Tana took it because either way, I wouldn't mind seeing either of them fight Moxley at the Dome.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. If Moxley's
3: going to still be champion by then.
2: Right, yeah. I think Mox versus Kenta, Mox versus Tanahashi. those those are both big money matchups. And I'm sure those are two guys that Moxley would love to face. And yeah, this is one of these matches it could have gone either way. Uh well yeah gone with uh, Kenta retaining here and I, I really love the chemistry that Kenta and Tanahashi have. It seems like the majority, at least what I see online, people don't really dig their matches as much as like me and Josh do. But I, from their first match in the G1 last year, and then their the match in the G1 this year, and then this match of Power Struggle, I just think they have great chemistry. And especially if you mentioned Kenta throughout the G1, you know. Yeah, he might have cheated a little bit with the briefcase But, you know, there wasn't any run-ins It was mainly him And he, for the most part, wrestled clean And kind of brought that, you know, that kind of that strong style That kind of Noah Kenta out with the striking And setting up for the, you know, the game over And to go to sleep And so I really enjoy this matchup
4: Well, Jeremy, as you know, I'm a man with Great ratings, great takes, and great opinions (laughs) (laughs) Your your ratings are not a game Ratings are not a game, no But um, in all seriousness, though Kenta and Tanahashi being a longtime fan of Perezu and seeing, you know, Noah, Kenta, and, you know, the young ace on the rise. This, every time I see it, is still a dream match for me. I know it might not be for like newer fans and they might not be as aware, but it's like, it's literally like seeing like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan like lock up because like that's who they were. They were the ace of their companies at the same time and it was never going to happen. So. I'm always going to be into it regardless. But um, yeah, the story with the briefcase has been excellent. Um, I would say much better in theory just because of the delivery than the other briefcase match that we're getting. Um, And... Every time Tanahashi and Kenta go in there, they just have a certain kind of chemistry that they seem... I, I, I'm kind of, like, dumbfounded as to why people don't like their matches, because I, I don't get it. I actually think Tanahashi may even be Kenta's best New Japan opponent, uh, at least, like, from a consistency standpoint. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I mean, and the, the big thing here, Tanahashi tapped out at the end to the game over, um, which is, like... It's, it really does, it's big for Kenta, obviously, but, like, I Tanahashi's at that point where he's, like, almost, uh, you know, you can't really harm him. We've seen him tap out so many times to so many people over the the last few years, you know, Sonata and Saber, Saber and people like that, that, like, he's bulletproof. So, um, I think the big thing, though, is people thought, like we said last week in the show, that Tanahashi was going to go to the Dome and fight uh, Mox and... Now, if it does happen, it's going to be Kenta, which I'm kind of in favor of that because he won the freaking tournament. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who wins the tournament should, like, get to cash in their opportunity. You <coughs> know, <Gato>. um, <laughs> so,
3: yeah, I don't know. Uh, one thing to piggyback up, off of was Kenta's promo after that match, because he talks about a time where they were doing it when he was in WWE and they did a tour and ended up, I think he was in Singapore Mm. And and Tanahashi was on some kind of business trip over there as well, so he went to dinner with uh, Tanahashi, Shinsuke, and Asuka, and he's like, I've never felt more out of place sitting at a table with four, three of my peers. Mm. And you know, it, it was that like a, like a, a very human, humble moment for Kenta. So and it also goes back to that Noah connection with Shibata, like like the, the three of them, they have that connection. So I even though they are older veterans in the company I feel that there's a great story that can still be told because they are still they still have that love for professional wrestling or in Kenta's case rediscovering at last year's G1 where he's like I can still go I can still do this
4: yeah definitely yeah remember at the press conference I was like you keep talking about Kenta's pro wrestling what is Kenta's pro wrestling? And he just like looked at me. He's like, I will show you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was And
1: did he? Yeah, he did. He did. (laughs) did.
2: (laughs) Uh, Like we mentioned here, Kenta, he got the win with his game over submission. Um, Kind of really putting that submission over. uh, Didn't use the GTS here. He struggled. He failed to hit the GTS uh, in this matchup here. Great back and forth. But yeah, Kenta is leaving with the the shambles of the briefcase. What's what's left (laughs) of the briefcase. Um, We did have a question here from Kevin from D.C. Uh, he says, I think it was both of you, but at least one of you successfully called one briefcase changing hands and the other one not. Going into power struggle, I was almost certain that Kota Ibushi would retain Tanahashi would win his briefcase match with Kenta. Obviously, the exact opposite happened. My question is, doesn't Tanahashi versus Moxley at the Dome sound like a bigger draw than Kenta versus Moxley? I'm a big Kenta fan, but it leaves Tanahashi without a program so far for Wrestle Kingdom.
4: I mean, to me, I would guess that it would be, but um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, Karen, you could speak to that.
3: Uh, I think because they were going to have tanahashi do world a world tag league as you know one of the representatives from uh main unit because Ibushi was either going to be having a case or having no case they needed to do it in a way where it would be believable that he would have if he were if he and his partner were to win World Tag league they would have that iwgp match at the dome mm-hmm. so I understand why they did it but I also think it's kind of, it's like a revenge match for Kenta and Mox. They get to be who they couldn't be in WWE. It's the same mm. thing I say every time I see Zack Sabre Jr. and Ibushi fight each other. Yeah. I was at the Cruiserweight Classic in 2016. That was my very first NXT live arena show. So it's it always makes me smirk because it's like they get to do what they couldn't do here, which is supposed to be in the biggest company in the world.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's to
3: le- I think it's to leave the mystery open for what, what, who could come for Tanahashi? Because you know, it's, it's going to be someone big. You know, it's going to be someone big.
2: Right. I mean, it's it's still Tanahashi. He still has to have some kind of big matchup. I mean, personally, I for I me, don't know. I mean, I don't know. For me, I would really <laughs> like to see him versus Shingo for the NEVER title.
4: Yeah, we talked about that.
3: That <laughs> sounds so. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think that would be, you know, obviously Tanahashi has been kind of slowly moving down the card, not being featured in, you know, IWGP title matches, IC matches. So I think, you know, the never title, I'm not sure if he's challenged for the title before, never title before, uh, but that might be something kind of new
4: for him. I feel very confident he never has. And um, what perfect timing, like I'm going to go down the card. Right when the never titles at its hottest, <laughs> right. And the, and then let's
2: say Tanahashi beats Shingo, like that. That would totally elevate the never title to a whole another level. And then you have the the ace, you know, riding in the never division, having these strong style matches.
4: Jeremy, stop tantalizing <laughs> us with this fan fiction booking that's never happening. We don't even. No, no, no. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I mean that that is something that makes sense. Um, I mean, you got to figure, I mean, you look at all the titles that are potentially up for grabs, and if his tag team partner is going to be busy in the main, you know, scene, it doesn't make sense for him to be going for any other tag belts. Uh, Right. That is a booking scenario that makes a lot of sense. The other thing, too, if maybe they did have some sort of big name, maybe even say outsider who knows I'm not saying that this should happen But I'm saying what if Jericho and him want to work together again That could happen something of that nature It is possible
2: right have the, the Kind of big re, rematch there and Tanahashi can Get his win back uh, on Jericho
4: Because <laughs> you know think about like You know those AW guys I mean The, the few that we know are going to Potentially at some point come over you know Mox and Jericho if I'm Jericho and it's the end of the year. I probably want to get on the biggest payday of the year at least. At least that one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, who's he going to work with? Who else is free that he has history with? And he, you know, he did the whole shout out. I want to work with you 10 more times. Like, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah.
3: It's, it's the it. only option I can think of. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, Jericho Okada could have been fun, but we've also had that one. So, why not?
4: <laughs> yeah. Did we have we talked about that whole thing that Jericho reportedly was supposed to be part of the kingdom, the empire? No, we were talked about. That. <laughs> 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 so yeah, uh, <laughs> the kingdom. <laughs> My bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think He's going I, to Ring of Honor confirmed. <laughs> <bad. laughs> we're <laughs> opening the ROH door. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho and Taven. And Taven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'll yeah.
4: put butts in seats.
2: <laughs> but yeah, Meltzer was talking on Wrestling Observer Radio last week that you know. Jericho had a, a big hand to play in Osprey turning heel Because apparently Jericho was going to be a part of the Empire And be alongside uh, Will Ospreay and Jeff Cobb And then eventually Okan was supposed to come in as a member of Chaos first Right And then eventually turn on Okada to join the Empire at Power Struggle
4: The report was that Okan was going to come back and join Chaos Mm-hmm Then, in the middle of the um, Okada-Osprey match at G1, someone in the Jiangxi outfit would come out, and it would be Jericho. And then it would be Jericho, who's attacking Okada, and they would establish the Empire with Jeff Cobb. That's, like, multiple reports, multiple sources, who are all pretty valid. So it seems like this was something that... And also, when when, um, Dave originally was like yeah, Jericho booked this. I'm like, why is Jericho booking this? It makes no sense. Like, right. Now it kind of does make sense, although I don't get it because it's like you're going to be in two factions in two different companies, I guess. Cool, whatever. But yeah, I don't know. We never talked about it, so I just figured we should throw it out there. Yeah,
2: well, he might be getting yeah. kicked out the inner circle. You never you never know. MJF won that, that big matchup, but full uh, oh, gear this weekend.
4: Jeremy, stop trying to open up the forbidden portal. <laughs> <laughs> I want to weld the forbidden door shut, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Uh, back to this match, um, I mean, we've done our booking scenarios, but I mean, um, ultimately, I love the match, I thought it was very good, I like, the only thing I didn't like, the again, even at 20 minutes, I felt like the finish was a little abrupt, that was the one thing I didn't actually like, it just kind of came from out of nowhere, but other than that, I thought it was a fantastic, you know, addition to these, you know, series of matches between these two guys Definitely
2: So we move on now to the semi-main event of the evening. We had the briefcase up on the line for the IWGP Heavyweight slash IWGP IC title. Uh, Kota Ibushi defending his G1 briefcase against the Switchblade Jay White. And for the first time ever in history, the briefcase changed hands. Switchblade Jay White defeats the Golden Star Kota Ibushi, 18 minutes, 47 seconds. Young boy, you were right last week in your prediction That uh, Jay White was getting the briefcase I wish I wasn't
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I don't is that what I predicted? Because I don't even... I don't be listening to what we, like, record every week. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You're
3: about it.
4: You,
2: you went double bullet club. You went you went with Kenta retaining, and you went with uh, Jay getting the briefcase, because you were like, it, it makes no sense to bullet club to leave weak
4: from power struggle. Well, my takes are good, yes. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I, I remember thinking at least one of them would change hands, but I thought I had it reversed, to be honest with you, because... It was hard to call both of these matches, and I went back and forth for a while. Um, Yeah, man. Um, Jay White won. He cheated. I thought the match was, of the three contests that these guys have had this calendar year, this was by far, in my opinion, the best match that they've had. But um, very questionable booking. And then the fallout of the match, very questionable I think a lot of people have a lot of questions about this and we need to talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Karen, what, what were your thoughts about the matchup? Um,
3: so, my thing is, is that if this was going to be the end game, that Jay white gets the briefcase, why didn't he just win the G1? Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding.
4: Yes. Like,
3: I feel that, because for me, I wanted Sonata to win the, J, the G1. I, that Ooh. was <laughs> that No, because, you know, it makes we'll get sense to that a different time but it's one of those things like i don't understand what was the point of having abushi win back to back releasing a t-shirt saying he did it and then surprise surprise weeks later <laughs> just kidding
4: that's because it's a merch grab you remember those y2 aj shirts mm mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> <good> mhm <time. laughs>
2: yeah definitely some questionable booking here um you know you know people always said you know it, it has to happen sometimes somebody has to lose a briefcase but I don't like it, you know, you win such a great tournament Like the G1, like you should get Like you mentioned Josh, you win a tournament, you should get The prize of winning that tournament And it just, just make a lot of sense here for, for Jay to get the briefcase this way I mean, they could have had, yeah, Jay win The G1, and you find Some other way to get Abushi Into the title match for the Dome uh, Yeah, just I, I don't know what uh, Gail's thinking here
4: And Like I said last week, I'm actually Okay With the idea that the, it had to happen at some point, right? Who's better to do it than Jay White, the top heel in the company? Mm -hmm. These are all things that I'm okay with. What I'm not okay with is the fallout. Because it seems very clear that, like, okay, Koto Bushi won the G1. Yeah, he lost the contract, but we've got two nights, so, quote-unquote double gold dash. You know, you, you can set up a Naito situation, a la last year, to give this guy his crowning achievement and fight against the odds. I don't think they're doing that this year. The way it looks, it does not look favorable for Bushi. And it harkens back to the points that Karen made. Why would you have this guy win two times in a row if he's just... If if the main event on the second night is going to be a Jay White, you know, match. Isn't Couldn't it be way more straightforward if you just had Jay White win the briefcase and then find a way to shoehorn Bushi into it? Maybe... I don't know. Maybe like Ibushi got screwed. Maybe, you know, I don't know. They're just this doesn't seem to be the most forthcoming, or even marketable way of like booking this because I don't think that this is going to be something that draws. Based on I don't think there's going to be a lot of fan interest. There was already issues last year with people like having issues with the the, the convoluted nature of the gold dash, and this seems worse.
2: Yeah, um, I just feel like after losing back to back nights at the dome last year. And then kind of being on a losing streak at the beginning of the year, kind of being stuck in the tag division until up until G One. I felt like this was like the kind of the big a redemption, like, yeah, redemption arc for Ibushi. Like he wins the G One again. This is gonna be you know re- redemption, kind of payback from last year. He's gonna go in and like win at both nights this year and leave both nights as the double champion.
0: Well, for
3: me, there's two things is that one, they made this whole, again, the redemption arc. He's supposed to be God by this point. (laughs) God lost to a kid who cheated like that. just bums me out. (laughs) And the thing is that Naito has said since before Summer Struggle, he wanted to defend the belts individually.
4: Never happened. So
3: so I'm just like, right. I I have a theory of how they could really convol more, more convoluted things is how to separate the belts.
4: You know, and it's it's one of those things we talk about, and I'm not accusing him of anything, but I am just saying, like, historically speaking, you look at some of the best bookers of all time, you know, you can run through the names, your Giant Babas, your Bill Watts, stuff like that. There's a finite amount of time for them to be on their run at the top of their game because eventually you get burned out, you run out of ideas, and, you know, all the different variables that go with running a wrestling promotion, and there's a lot of shifting variables in New Japan at this current time. So, uh yeah it's it's just so weird it, it it this whole thing is so weird they booked them the bottom line is they booked themselves into a corner and they have no one else to blame but themselves. that's the problem yeah
3: that's right
2: uh we had a question here from our buddy uh Ricky from the Ricky and Clyde show in Scotland. any possibility that Jay White loses a briefcase between now and Russell <laughs> kingdom
4: i mean, i mean i pray i I've been praying <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, though I yeah. It I could
2: I mean, it's a very slim chance Because also we've got World Tag League But it's a Super Juniors That's going to take up Majority of November, December we, we, we will have Road to Tokyo Dome shows um, At the end of the year But I highly doubt That they're going to do a briefcase switch On a Road to show They did
4: press conferences It's right. a wrap
2: Yeah, well, and we'll talk about you know, wrestling them 15 in the press conference after we uh, we finish up this show. But, yeah, it looks like, you know, Jay White's a lock
4: with the briefcase. What do you think, Karen? Uh,
3: Well, unless he, like, leaves it at an airport, I don't <laughs> think he's losing it. Um, but I do find that he's stressed only working the second night of the Dome. Right. Mm. So the selfish part of me wants Ibushi to beat Naito on night one and be like, here, have the icy belt and fight Sonata tomorrow night. I'll keep the heavyweight belt, and Jay can only fight for one because I'm petty and angry, and I'm God now.
4: <laughs> the, the the only big problem with it is like, I mean, we don't really know like the legal nuances of what the contract really entails. But if I'm to gather what's off of the briefcase as being, he did
3: tear it up at the press conference though.
4: Tear what up? The contract. Jay,
3: Jay tore up the contract. He wants one in English. He's oh, like, I don't want, I can't read this. <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: well, he better get MJF's. Uh, lawyer no but uh in all seriousness the briefcase that abushi was carrying says double like it implies that it's for the double gold so i mean i don't know but um that was my point i guess i don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's not he's not gonna no they already announced it it's gonna be on the fifth that's the deal and i don't i don't know man yeah
2: uh, also a question here from From the show Rich Latta from One Nation Radio Uh-oh. He Says yeah I got a question He says so did Abushi get a bucket of crushed ice Or a full bucket of water dumped on him Going into the dome
4: Yeah I'll, I'll speak to this So Earlier this year before the G1 started remember I Inaccurately predicted that he was not Only going to not win the tournament but that He was going to have one of his worst tournaments Points wise that he'd had because I was convinced that him and Tanahashi were going to continue their tag team feud with dangerous techers going out of the tournament. And I was like, why would you give him a lot of points and push the guy if they're going to keep doing that feud? I was clearly wrong. He ended up winning the whole thing. And now he's 38. Now he's won it back to back. Now he's on a redemption arc. I mean, that's a story that people could be invested into. And we're starting to, at least here in the States, get invested into, I don't, I can't talk for the whole fan base, but that's the general hubbub, you know. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly, he he lost the contract and he's the first guy to do it. All right, well, we're good. Maybe they're doing a Naito story like they did last year where he can regain the contract the first night and then challenge for the double goal the second night. That makes sense, right? No, they're going to have him fight for the title the first night just like he did last year, which kind of is like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and now whoever wins has to fight. Jay White, for the con- like, the contract holder? Like, why does the contract holder get to dictate what night they fight? Like, that doesn't make sense. This is... <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, my biggest concern is this. Generally speaking, whatever main events Wrestle Kingdom is usually a protected match. And of the three different outcomes that you have there... The least protected match, the one that we've seen three times this calendar year, is Jay White and Ibushi. Now, there is the possibility that they try to draw based off the fact that he got screwed by the guy. But they've done it three times this calendar year. Are they going to try to draw 20,000 people to the Tokyo Dome off a match that they gave away three times the same year? Or are they going to try to do Naito and Jay White, which is the more it's not even really all that protected. Like it's, this is a weird year. They're giving us matches that really aren't that protected. Mm -hmm. I got a feeling they're going with Naito and Jay White. And early before this pay-per-view, I was like, they're going with the Bushi. They're finally doing it. They're going all the way with the guy. Give him all the gold. They're going to give him a lengthy run because he's 38 and he's the best. He's one of the best of his era. And it's time to to go with him. And now I'm like, they're not going
3: with the guy and I don't freaking get it. Yeah, I just feel like they're playing it too safe right now. Like people have been waiting for like ever since they New Japan finally signed Ibushi to a contract, and we're like, "All right, you're lifetime. our guy." <laughs> Pardon lifetime, lifetime contract. contract. But you know, that's what I'm saying. But you know, <laughs> again, he's closing in on forty, and not that he's running out of time because he's in amazing shape. But I think they could sell out both nights at the dome because of the social distancing requirements, and that they can sure. only have twenty thousand. But the problem is, is that With 2020 being 2020, they need a feel-good finish. And I don't know if they're going to give us two feel-good finishes at a dome after, you know, Naito had his – he had his dome win. He had summer struggle with fireworks in a baseball stadium. But if they're going to – like, you know, Naito, there's an expiration date on those knees. Those knees are going soon. (laughs) I love him, but Destino and Tranquilo are tired. They need a break, <laughs> but they need to pull the trigger on Abushi, and they need to start doing that with other talent, too, because, yeah, some of these people are your pillars of your company, but you need to start minting new champs so you don't get the same match four times a year.
2: Exactly. Excellent point there. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Special Kingdom situation. I
4: mean, I don't even know if we have to. We've done pretty good. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: one, one thing I will say about it is this. Um, Karen brought up a good point. They gave us a a feel-good moment last year If you really think about it When was the last time at any Wrestle Kingdom That they gave us a not feel-good moment? Right, I was thinking
2: about that today actually I was like trying to think, you know I feel like pretty much since I've been watching full-time Every dome has kind of ended on a high note
4: I mean, I cannot remember a single time where I mean, Tanahashi closed out the majority of those And then uh, the other ones were Okada Um, Right, I can't think of a time where like a true dastardly heel stood tall. If Jay White were to do that, that would be like probably pretty historic, to be
3: honest. If he could do it cleanly, I'd be okay <laughs> with it. Like if he if he won clean and he gloated and he's like, this is my era. Well, it, I mean, he's still saying it's his era two years later. But <laughs> if you were able to do it without ghetto as a crutch, please let me be angry about the dome for a chance. It's fine.
4: Well, here's the weird thing with the matchup is like last year. That was my match of the year. That's how much I begrudgedly loved the G1 final. I thought it was that fantastic. But then this year, they've had some good matches. But like I I actively hated the Tokyo Dome match they had. I really, really, really hated it. So I'm like kind of torn between like the high highs and the low lows that this feud has kind of entailed. And I'm like, I I don't know if I want to see it again. Like.
2: Yeah, especially after seeing it so many times this year, uh, I would I would have thought you know Ibushi Naito would have been the money your big bang main event. We haven't seen it since last year from the rivalry they had, and it would have made a ton more sense.
4: Listen, fuck it. Twenty twenty has been a weird year. This is what we're doing: double knockout. They're both down. Titles. Triple up, threat. Titles <laughs> up in there. Let's just do a triple threat. Get get it, get it over with, and we can just have everybody in play. Like I don't even care anymore. <laughs> It's fine. Just do it. Whatever.
2: Well, you know, speaking of the double titles, we got (laughs) got to talk about the main event of the. We've
4: been we've been stalling because we don't really want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: We got we got to touch on it real quick. the The main event of the evening for the IWGP Heavyweight Title and the IWGP IC Title. The champion Tetsuya Naito he retained against Evil. Thirty-three minutes and eight seconds.
4: That's a long time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Karen, uh, what what have been your thoughts on the whole evil turn and the evil Naito rivalry and then this matchup?
1: Uh-oh.
3: All right.
2: So, <laughs> lay, lay it on us, Karen.
3: As an LIJ fan, I, I, I do love me some evil. Evil comes from that class of young lions that are in their early thirties that are, they are on the cusp. They are ready. It is their time. I might be the outlier here saying, I think evil not only deserved the push he got this year, but he's named evil. He should be a bad guy. But to be honest, during the lockdown era, he kept bullet club relevant because they didn't have a front man. Because for some reason they don't think Taiji Ishimori can be a front guy, even <laughs> though he's the Bullet Club's only champion right now. Mm. Um, again, we had we had several matches of Naito versus Evil since March. I've seen it about four times now. This is yeah, it's the fourth yeah, one. Yeah, the fourth and one. If they if they've kind of just like flip flopped the title back and forth, and it felt for me, it felt very much like a WWE booking scenario, and I didn't like it. But I don't think evil deserves all the hate he's getting for what he's, you know, succeeding and thriving for for once. And again, if he ha- if someone has the bone to pick up being trapped in a shadow, evil's one of them because he was in Naito's shadow for a very long time. Now he's stepped out and he's stepped up, and I'm fine with it. But I need somebody other than the same handful of people to challenge Naito. Yeah, and... gives him a lot of title push. <laughs>
2: You know you know here on this show you know Josh and I we haven't been you know, the biggest fans of you know the evil turn but to be
4: clear, I've never liked evil <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I thought I, I thought I've all thought evil was cool um, and you know what and you know what's funny? I kind of like evil more with the new gimmick. isn't that weird? It's kind of weird although <laughs> I like his matches less. I, yeah. I think the matches are worse, but the look and the feel and the attitude is better.
3: He's not wrestling by himself anymore that's the problem
2: Yeah it's,
4: just, it, and it's the same thing
2: Like you mentioned we've seen four matches and it was A lot of the same A lot of ref bumps a lot of interference Dick Togo running out We had Yujiro Takahashi running out At one point uh, we had Jay White and Ibushi running out there We had Sonata running
4: out <laughs> there You want to know what? what that all worked For me That worked okay here's the crazy thing all the other matches had tons, except for the G1 match. Well, I guess it had a little bit, but all the matches had some level of interference. This match had the most interference, but the best parts of the match were when Sonata was coming to the rescue and when you know they had Jay White coming out and then Ibushi, because this all played into the greater story of the title scene. And so it actually worked for me. The problem is is that they already did it so much in the lead up to this match that it exactly. didn't matter. Exactly. That's the problem. But it is it is very telling if the only things I really remember about this match were the run-ins from the outside people. I really don't I mean I treated an IWGP title match like it was a road to show just sitting on the back, like in the background while I'm folding my laundry and trying to figure out what I'm going to do the rest of the day. That's egregious.
3: (laughs) One of the things I liked about Jay's running in in particular was that, you know, when he gets evil and pushes him into the corner, he, he, you have to listen really carefully, but he's like, is this what you want? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, 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 are are we, are we starting? Are we starting a little bit of trouble now, gentlemen? So I, does, regardless of what happens with Jay at the Dome, I think there's also, you know, of course, the battle for Bullet Club supremacy is coming. There's going to be some infighting because Bullet Club's getting a little too big right now.
4: Why does Ibushi always have to be the casualty of a civil of a Bullet Club civil war? Why <laughs> always? <laughs>
3: He needs to become full murderer Ibushi, and take over Suzuki Goon and make it a Bushi Goon.
2: That, that's a problem. He needs, he needs his own army. He needs his own
4: squad. Man, Hontai can just be like...
3: <laughs> you, you're you're going to kick Tanahashi out of Hontai? Good luck.
4: The Bushi Japan. <laughs> Uh, but yeah,
2: very interesting there The, the whole Jay-Evil interaction And Jay actually helping Evil out You know, people probably thought Oh, Jay's gonna screw Evil over here um, So he can end up uh, facing Naito But yeah, he, he tried to he tried to help Evil win And you gotta think, you know Where's this whole Evil-Jay story going? You know, I, I we were thinking Potentially one night at the dome You're gonna get a Jay-Evil matchup Right and, I mean, technically, I guess you still could If somehow Evil challenged Jay for the briefcase on night one and you, you get your double gold dash And then you have Jay, Evil face each other And then Abushi Naito, and then the two winners face each other on the second night
4: Things are very up in the air When it comes to Evil and Sonata and the Tokyo Dome Very up in the air Like, what do you do with the guy that held the IWGP title this past year And the guy who was the runner-up in the in the G1 And... As we've discussed on this show, historically speaking, you go through the last five to six years, the runner up of the G1 always ends up in some sort of singles title match at the Dome. And that almost seems like it's not going to happen. What do you do with those two guys?
3: He also lost to Evil at the finals of the New Japan Cup. So there's there's oof, I I need I need Sonata to get a win, but I don't know how they're going to do it with the current setup at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, both of those guys are in World Tag League, obviously on opposite teams this year, and so maybe one of those guys gets a win over the other guy or something happens in the World Tag League that kind of sparks maybe those two facing each other off in a big match. Something else I also thought about for Sonata, he's teaming with Shingo, never champion. You could have something that, where they fail to win the Tag League or there's miscommunication between Shingo and Sonata because, you know, they're not the normal team. You know, Sonata's normally teaming up with Evil, and so, obviously, you know, Sonata and Shingo are, don't have the same kind of, you know, layout as Evil and Sonata did So maybe there's some tension there And then you have Sonata, Shingo for a matchup for the Never title So you get Sonata in his singles match
4: Listen, guys, we're, we're just about done with this preview And I want to point something out We're talking about Evil, we're talking about Sonata, we're talking about Ibushi We're talking about literally a Jay White Every single person except for the double... Gold champion Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> like, are we ready? To, like, are we ready to admit that like this title run and this like whole past year run wasn't like it's not his fault. I know there's extenuating circumstances, but this run wasn't what like people really wanted it to be and hoped it would be. And I've got the feeling that he's not retaining at the dome. I don't think personally. I think this is it for Naito as like his big this is his big run.
3: See, the thing is, is that. Like Naito's said since he won the belt and after the first time he defended it against Kenta back in February, he's like, I don't want to be defending these together the entire time. And yet he keeps getting pushed to do it. And even in the press conference on this past couple of days, he's like, I don't want to defend these together. Why? Why do you guys insist on me having to do this? Like he doesn't even he doesn't want to do it. (laughs) Like, Naito's just like, I'm tired, I I don't want to do this anymore. Like, he wants to be champion, but he doesn't, like, I think he also, and this is just me reading into the situation, is that I think he sees how limiting a double champion is. Right. Especially when you have your largest show of the year coming up, because, again, it's two belts tied up in a feud with maybe two or three people, or four people, and Where it could have been an opportunity where if he only had the one belt or he loses one belt, someone like Sonata could step up and get that match. Or, you know, honestly, I wanted Evil to win that belt and have Evil versus Sonata and Sonata win at the Dome for the IC title.
4: But that's not
3: happening either.
4: Someone is going to write a fantastic think piece or analytic article or even maybe a novel or something like that about... How the white belt elevated Shinsuke, but was the albatross on Naito, <laughs> mm. <Yeah.
1: laughs>
4: because it has been this curse on his on his life. I don't know what the f- I don't know why. <laughs> it just is. Can't get away from it.
2: <laughs> uh, real quick before we move on, we had two questions here. First from Reddit user Rambo and Slam Pig. It says, "Are we done with Naito vs. Eo for a bit, or will they find a way to cram some more in before the end of the year?"
4: Oh, we're done with we're done with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, based on the trajectory, I I would think that we're we're done.
3: I think with Naito it's done, but I feel like after Jay's run-in, there might be the expectation that Evil returns the favor at the dome for Jay, and Evil
4: won't Uh, do it. Well, there is something else Karen brought up. These guys had four matches. They flip-flopped. That's a little WWE-ish. We need a definitive answer as to who (laughs) the real best man is. (laughs) Uh, Evil versus Naito 5. For all the marbles, that's oh. what we need. Oh boy!
3: <laughs> no grudge match, no belts. <laughs>
4: uh, Staleburger bun asked, "If you were Gato, how would you save evil?"
2: Uh, I guess this uh, depends on what he means by saving evil. I mean, as far as maybe like match quality, I would say you know less running, less interference. I get, I get he's a heel. I get he, he's evil, um, but kind of like Kenta, you know. Kent to find some of these kind of creative ways to kind of cheat on his own uses a briefcase, position the ref, you know, poking in the eye Like there are definitely some heel tactics that you can do that does not involve a run-in And you save the run that what that what makes a run-in special If you use the run-in sparingly, then it would feel like, oh, it would feel more special It feel unique, but when you're doing it every single match It just, it, it takes your interest out of the match
4: I mean, there's really no way to like quote unquote. You got to look at it two ways. On the one hand, they gave him a better look. They gave him better music. They gave him better attitude. Gave him a faction. They gave him a faction. They gave him a push. They put him in a higher like. I don't know any other way they they could more save him. Like he's more of a big deal and a star than he ever was before. So in that sense, they've already done it. In the sense of the fact, and this just come from me. I fucking hate his matches. I hate them. I hate them, hate them, hate them. And like the main reason is because of the interference. I didn't like his wrestling before that personally, but every now and again, he would still blow me away and throw out a banger. So maybe, maybe just let him have a banger every now and again. Maybe that's, I think that's what people are waiting for because that's kind of what the deal was with, with Jay white when he was in the same predicament two years ago and everyone was upset about him having all these story matches. And then he had the juice match and it was awesome. And then from then on, they let him like kind of expand his uh, you know, creative wings when it came to the in-ring aspect. And I think that that's what they probably need to do. And again, Evil's in a new role, kind of still just finding himself. And it's in an empty arena atmosphere, so it's completely different. He's got a lot of challenges going up against him, so it's not entirely all his fault. But I think for the notebook like nerds like me, they're not going to like it because the in-ring product just simply has not really been that good. I think, honestly, the best match I've seen him in was, like, the Yoshihashi match. <laughs>
2: <That>. <laughs> which, was,
4: which was fucking awesome.
2: That or the Hiromu match.
4: Uh, well, Oh, and, and the ZSJ match. But for the, yeah. the general part, like, the only way that you're going to fix that aspect of him is just let him go like he used to go. But other than that, I mean, as far as creatively, this is the most interesting he's been ever. What do you think, Karen?
3: I think like we've touched on a couple times is that I understand the purpose of someone as like Dick Togo, who historically has that tie to ghetto and Jado and all of that. And, you know, it's good because when bullet club wasn't all reunited, they had, they, they found a way to make a, a new star. I wonder if now that everyone's back from bullet club, if it's too bit, too many big names, because evil shouldn't be a placeholder for Jay White. Right. He shouldn't be a placeholder for Kenta. Does, if Bullet Club comes to punches and some people get kicked out or some people break off, if they, maybe he forms a new faction, maybe he's just standing in Bullet Club for the time being, and goes back to LIJ. Who knows? It's just one of those things. Like, I don't think evil needs saving. No. I need, I think people need to trust the process Mm-hmm. But they need to lay off the manager and distraction run-ins and stuff like that, because yeah. you know Evil used to. Use, he does the he does the chair thing. He he has the submission. He he has a great move set. But for me, Dick Togo historically, yeah, great. He's fine. He's he shows up in his suit. But I find him at ringside like I find Ghetto at ringside very distracting. I yeah. find it they de- they detract from the match. You want me to you want me to really hate a heel? Have them start clean clean winning and gloating about it.
2: Mm, yeah, get, that's get some heat there. And like like you mentioned, him having his own faction—that's something we kind of talked about too. I thought it would have been more creative for him to kind of just start up a new, a whole new faction, this whole thing. I'm and pretty not, sure
4: they're going that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like Karen was saying, you know, Bull Club's getting bloated, and he doesn't need to be a placeholder for Jay or Kenta. So you, you got two top guys right there in that faction, and so where does Evil kind of play in the mix? So you you can't have three alphas in the faction there. Um, and so I, th- I think eventually This might lead into uh, Evil splitting off Maybe like Evil, U-Giro and A couple other guys from Bullet Club split off And then you, you add some new guys to it Maybe some young lines or somebody else coming back And kind of create something new for Evil
4: We will know for sure that Bullet Club is done If we get Bullet Club Switchblade And Bullet Club Darkness or some shit like that. <laughs> If that happens then it's cooked It's a wrap
3: Then it's NWO <laughs> yeah. All Right.
2: Well, you know, Jay White's already rocking the Wolfpack colors, <laughs> so. <laughs>
3: They'll never be sting. sorry.
2: Don't turn your back on the switchblade. Uh, <laughs> it might end up in a body bag. <laughs> if,
4: if Jay White, we, we got to move on, but if Jay White was one member of the Wolfpack, who do you think he is? Um, I think he's Lex Luger. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's,
2: he's a total package?
4: I, I have no, like, actual, like, comparison between the two. That's just my gut. That I'm going to go with my gut, and that's what I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't – I have a you hard time. You think t- he's big, sexy? He's pretty sexy. You think he's big, sexy, don't you? I,
2: I don't know who I, I would put J in as.
3: Not that tall.
4: Yeah. Oh, my God. He's Conan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. oh, man. Oh, one quick thing. So, Karen mentioned, like, that evil has a great moveset. One thing I've learned – Um wrestlers do not like to be told that they have move sets. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a move set? Of course you do. You got the same moves you do every time. That's your move set. And they're like, it's not like a video game where you just have a move set. And I'm like, well, then what is it? They're like, you just have moves that you do. And I was like, but they're the same moves every time, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you practice them, right? And he's like, yes. Yeah. Like, That's your move set. And he's like, it's different. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, man. Uh, so we had a question here from Reddit user Dom Honey 101 He said, "Who made a better fashion statement at Power Struggle? Sonata,
4: Dick Togo, or Will Osprey?" This is um.
3: Sonata. Sorry. Yeah. What
4: kind of freaking question is that? Did you not <laughs> see Sonata? <laughs> My God.
3: They're calling him the White Knight in the Louboutins. I mean, you can't you can't top that.
2: Yeah, Sonata always looking fresh out here.
4: <laughs> Remember, like I said in the past, the only two men I'd ever go gay for were Ibushi and Tanahashi. Well, like Sonata. He just made the list.
2: (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, Next question here from Reddit user P. 91 He says, I had a lot of fun at Power Struggle, and I think my friend maybe had too much fun. The person who... Osprey said thank you to during his promo Was my friend who was already a few strong zeros deep And <laughs> shouted woo As he was getting Ric Flair vibes off the promo He must be the only person who enjoyed the promo
4: <laughs> That's <laughs> not even really a question and 91 just wanted to give us his field report And he's out that's it <laughs> well,
2: He says uh, anyway I thought it was interesting To see oh, that my mind. friend's reaction to the matches As it was his first live wrestling show I thought it was interesting He could tell right away that Shingo Suzuki was awesome He knew that Okada and Okada match Was not so good my question to you is, have you ever been to a live wrestling show or even just watching on TV with someone who it's their first time to experience it and you've been surprised by their thoughts and or takes on the overall show and or matches? Again, I just thought it was interesting. His thoughts on the matches were pretty much in line with me despite having never watched New Japan before attending Power Struggle with me.
4: Uh, I'm not really like a... Missionary for pro wrestling like I don't go out there trying to convert people too much <laughs> if, if I've been dating you and I've shown you pro wrestling like it's a pretty serious thing I don't know like I I haven't had too many experiences like that the only thing is like um, My current girlfriend like she never saw Japanese pro wrestling before we dated so like every now and again like I guess the most surprising thing is the people she likes the most are the people whose characters are the most um, easy to interpret right off the bat. Hiromu, Shingo, Suzuki. You know exactly what the deal is with those guys from the moment they're on screen. And, and even Ishii, those are guys that she likes, you know? Mm-hmm. Other people that, like, Okada took her a while. She's like, I don't get it. <laughs> I was like, he's the ace. She's like, I don't. Tanahashi, she gets. abushi she didn't really get abushi at first. Took a little while, so... Some that's the one surprising thing. Some some people that like I just think are like fucking raw. Like, I think for like a Western style viewer, they kind of need the, like, you know, exaggerated character work to go along with it sometimes. Karen, you had any experience
2: with this?
3: Uh, what, well, one of the the hardest things about getting into you know something like right. wrestling is that. It, for most of us growing up, at least in the States, WWE is usually what you have as your bar for comparison. I grew up, I was a kid in the eighties. So, you know, it was like Hulk Hogan, macho man, all that stuff. So for a lot of people, in my age bracket, cause I'm in my forties and they're like, you go to wrestling shows and I'm like, trust it's, <laughs> n- it's not as hokey as you think it is. My, my sister best described it to my mom as kind of like, if you, if you, if you think, you know, you go to the theater. And there's a fight scene in the theater. It's some of it's choreographed, but you know you have to know what you're doing. Wrestling's the same thing. You have to know what you're doing. There is a sport aspect to it. Um, but the problem is, is that I think what keeps a lot of people from getting into it is that even though some may think it's hokey, there's also a lot of gatekeeping. Mm, yeah. Which a, like for me, when I first discovered Kushida's match against Show in that um, WCPW uh, tournament, it took me a, like I had to f- f- suss out through my friends like who would be a person I could trust their opinion on to say is this something I want to get into? Is this like it, it was the kind of trying to find a safe space, and I I haven't had that experience with any of my friends very recently. Because most of my friends that watch wrestling, they've watched it for a long time, or at least at least a year or more. But it, it it's hard because the, you you can learn to like people as wrestlers, but then sometimes once you like them or you you learn something about them that you dislike, or there's something they do something stupid, and you're just like, mm, well, that shirt's now in the recycling. Like I don't. <laughs> it, 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 it it takes a while, but it's. It's kind of like going to the going to Disney the, for, for the first time with someone. Like seeing that mm-hmm. excitement, seeing them try to ask questions and to get into it because it makes you think more about, oh, well, like like sometimes when they ask you questions, you're like, well, I never really thought of that. Or I haven't had to think about it in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I've, I've had limited experience kind of introducing people into wrestling. And the one thing for me that I've noticed is that People that I've in wrestling, they like the live experience better than watching it on TV. I've had friends, past relationships, where they have they want nothing to do with watching it on TV. But if, oh, you're going to a show live? Oh, I'm a, I'll check it out. And then they go to the live show and they have a great time. They get caught up in the atmosphere and they kind of start forming their favorites based on on what they're seeing. So I think that's a whole different aspect to it too.
4: What's the crazy tag team from FIP, the uh, guys in the overalls and all that?
2: Oh, um, uh, the, the hillbilly dudes. Yeah. Um, are they the hooligans? Yeah. Something? The hooligans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. So my, my buddy, Reggie, he doesn't like wrestling at all. And I was like, yeah, we're going to be down in Ebor at the Orpheum watching pro wrestling. He's like, all right, Oh gosh, I'll, I'll come check <laughs> it out. And, and my buddy, Reggie, he's like mixed. He's like light skin mixed, And then, um, all of a sudden, like, the hooligans come out. It's these, like, two Phineas Godwin-looking, like, characters who are, like, throwing trash. And, like, they're, like, hillbillies. He doesn't fuck with that. Like, <laughs> 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 like he was, like, legit scared. He's like, yo, where, what have you brought me to? <laughs>
2: and they were, they were brawling all over the opium in that match. They were going against uh, the end, right? Uh, I don't know. Otis and
4: uh,
2: Perot. Perot Yeah. Yeah.
4: Anyways. <laughs>
2: I miss the Orpheum.
4: <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is our long and convoluted uh, review of Power Struggle.
2: <laughs> yes. And so now we gotta talk about Russell Kingdom. And so we kind of really kind of touched on scenarios that are going on, but just to kind of reiterate, so it's made official. So God. on January fourth, we will have Will Ospreay versus Go Kata. Also on January 4th, the main event that evening will be Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito for the double titles in the press conference. Naito, he challenged, he wanted Ibushi to get this title match because Ibushi got screwed out of his briefcase and he felt sorry for him and he oh,
4: wanted That's terrible booking too, by the way. What Naito
2: calling out Ibushi?
4: That's terrible booking. I feel sorry for you you lost, but you got cheated and then you saved me from getting cheated. So I will bestow upon you a title. Uh, It sucks.
3: He also makes a point to say, I have no interest in wrestling. Jay white. Mm. The person I'm interested in wrestling is Kota Ibushi." So he kind of, it's not just, he got cheated out of it, but Naito also kind of says, Jay, I don't want to deal with you and your nonsense right now because my intention was here because we haven't had Naito Ibushi." Forget all everybody has necks and they need them attached to their bodies, you know? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. And that's another weird thing is like traditionally, whatever the main event of Wrestle Kingdom is, whether e- even before the two night period, it was usually a match that you didn't see for like two years prior. At least last year was like the first time when we got uh abushi and Okada because that was like, oh, we just got that. The G1. That's weird. They don't usually do that. But then it was like, oh, okay, they're doing it because the real main event is actually Naito and uh, Okada, so that makes sense. But in this case, that scenario is completely out the window if everything continues as planned, because whatever the whether it's Abushi or Naito winning, we've seen them against Jay White pretty, you know, within the calendar year, which, like, that never happens. It's really weird.
2: Yeah. And so then, moving on to January 5th, the winner of Abushi. Bushi. Uh, Naito will face Jay White for the double titles For the main event of that night And so we have a ton of questions here On all this fallout So let's run through these Uh, So first from Reddit user Why did you do that, bro? He has two questions He says uh, With Jay beating Ibushi for the case And then Naito challenging Ibushi for a title match At the press conference Does this devalue the briefcase as a whole Considering if you lose it You seem to get a title shot anyway why even try to defend it successfully?
4: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I won't belabor the fact or, like, you know, add on, because I think he put it in the he expressed it, like, perfectly. Any thoughts on the Karen?
3: Uh, I don't think it devalues the briefcase, because that was always one of the stipulations of the ty- the contract holders, that if you were pinned in the G1, someone has the right to challenge you to keep the right. Um, I don't – I don't know if it just—it just seems, kind of like they've, they they don't—they're not willing to let go of the idea of having a Bushi Naito. So it's kind of like their their safety net, mm. which is kind of chicken. Like I feel like I feel like they could—they I feel like they could have done better.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not sure if it devalues the briefcase, quote unquote. I think it devalues maybe winning the G One.
3: Yes, like, like you, <laughs> definitely. You, you
2: just spent the, you know the whole summer well this year the whole fall. You know, going through this grueling tournament, defeating all the people in your block, defeating the guy from the other block. You know, you etch your name in history alongside all the other, you know, 29 previous G1 winners. And you're supposed to get this kind of big, glorious moment and main event, the Tokyo Dome and have your shot in the championship. And now you're losing that.
4: Well, that's why I always said in the old days, prior to there being a Wrestle Kingdom, quote unquote, The winner of the G1 generally just got a title shot, and it was never mandated exactly when it would happen. Most often, it would happen the next month at whatever big show that was. That was pretty normal. Ever since this briefcase business started, I was like, what sense would that make for them to actually lose it, you know? I guess in this sense, I am kind of okay with it because I don't think if you win the G1, you shouldn't be getting a title shot. You absolutely should be, regardless of the quote-unquote briefcase. In other years... I couldn't imagine that they would have someone win the G1 and then drop the belt or drop the, the briefcase and not get that title shot. That would seem asinine to me. So I've that's why I've never even liked the gimmick to begin with. Yeah. I, my only thing was, like, they should just never lose it.
2: Yeah, well, we know it, we know it had to happen sometime.
4: <laughs> I guess. Maybe they could just drop the briefcase gimmick. They don't even have to do it.
3: Like, for Bushi, was like someone who they still have yet to put the heavyweight championship on. It kind of, like, I think what they said earlier, like, it was like throwing cold water on him. It's like, what more does he need to do to actually get the belt in this company?
4: Right. Maybe he can pull a Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 9. Like, he can lose the first night, but then still somehow just come out and challenge the winner on the second night anyways, and then just beat him in a few minutes and walk out with the bell at the end of the night. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: Uh, so uh, his second question was, if it's in fact Abushi Naito on one four in the winner of that match versus J on one five, that makes it unlikely for Abushi to beat Naito, right? They aren't going to have the semi-main of power struggle main event the second Tokyo Dome, are they?
4: That's what I said. Yeah, I, I think it, it throws water on that idea.
2: Yeah, well, it, it's hard to think that. I mean, I want Abushi to to leave both Knights with the titles, but it's hard to think that. You know, the world to be at like the fourth Jay Abushi match this year. We just saw that power struggle that, that that would also main event the second night at the Dome.
4: Before we throw it to Karen, one point I would like to make, and it's the one shred of hope that I am holding out for as to why I think Ibushi could win both nights. We talked about the idea that they do like to send the fans home happy. Yes, they could send the fans home happy if Naito beat Jay White, but there's not that much story in it. Whereas, at least with Ibushi, there is a story if he wins both nights, that would be his quote unquote redemption. So, at least maybe that would cut. That's the most optimistic or happy scenario that you could probably book, I suppose. Yeah.
3: I agree completely, especially with Jay rubbing in the fact that Ibushi lost both nights at the Dome this year, effectively eliminating him from the double gold from the get go and being unable to get it back for the entirety of 2020
1: yeah
3: but uh, I don't know if Ibushi Jay White's the ma- the, the match I want to watch on night two. I would rather watch right. that on night one
2: right yeah. I agree I think I think it makes so they much more have sense contra-
3: do the contract re- challenge on the have him re-challenge for the contract because he- his thing is Jay cheated mm-hmm. do that night one and then Ibushi magically gets it back beats Naito on night two that that for me is more a more logical. Natural flow of things.
4: What I wanted to have happen is basically the scenario you painted. And then on that first night, you could have uh, Naito doing something else, like, say, fighting Hiromu, which was a match we never got.
3: Sonata. (laughs) He's owed a heavyweight title. He's overshot for putting Naito at the G1. They haven't done anything with it.
4: That would make sense to me, too. Like, that would be perfectly logical. Like, hey, they're fighting out for their opportunity. Sonata beat me. He was the runner-up. Give him a towel shot. That also, that works for me.
0: This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag.
1: Hefty, hefty, hefty.
0: <sighs> <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty, ultra-strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky and for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty, large black bags. But this, this is the
4: worst, like, outcome of all the possible outcomes.
2: Right, because a a Sonata-Naito match, that's a pretty fresh matchup. Um, And then you would have Ibushi fighting to get his contract back. and You build this big Ibushi-Naito match. We know their history, their rivalry. That would have been a great way to close, you know, the second night off of that, you know, Tokyo Dome
4: weekend um, or you could have Naito do anything else pretty much, pretty much. And it
3: would have except been except Jericho. I don't need, I don't need Naito to die again.
4: <laughs> I was going to say those Naito Jericho matches are raw.
3: <laughs> I was nauseated. Cause I just, I was worried one of them was going to end up in the hospital or the morgue. I don't know.
4: We have a question from J Tom four one six. He says, how does Gato not see that wrestle kingdom matches are going to do damage to all four of his big four. Your ACE is in a career match with no suspense and at least one of Naito or Ibushi's fan base is going to be salty with the results. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> Can I have a point of clarification? The ace they're referring to is Ibushi, right? They're not, I mean, I think he's it's talking a lower about Okada. They're, they're not talking about Tanahashi because Tanahashi isn't included in this conversation about the double gold.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think he's talking about Okada. Maybe. I'm guessing he's talking about Okada.
3: Okay, because I'm just like... There is only one ace with a capital A, <laughs> and none of the
0: people we've talked about so far.
4: Yeah, I was a little confused by that question too. But uh, I mean, he's right. Like it's long story short, they booked themselves in a the corner. Period.
2: Yeah, it's just it's a, yeah, it's just an awkward situation to be in, and they they could have avoided this. Like no, but they did not have to do it. this. Was a choice. Uh, they, there was better choices to be made.
4: Part of the problem. Is sort of what um, Karen said earlier. In that, um, oh man, I had a great point and I lost it. <laughs> oh no! I hate when that happens. You guys, you guys talk. I'm gonna what remember it. I had a
3: great point! I had a great point.
4: <laughs> you had a great point, and then I had something to like piggyback off of it, but now I can't remember what it was.
2: Uh, while you're thinking, real quick, we skipped over uh, Rambo and Slam. Pick oh, a question. Best. He says, "Do you think Moxie or Jericho will make a Tokyo Dome appearance, or do the logistics make that unlikely this year?" I think Uh, both Yeah, I I think at least If I had to say one I would say I think we'll at least see Moxley Because he's the U.S. champion They need to get that belt back Uh, But I could see Jericho coming back too And with the way they've been taping Dynamite lately I'm sure for December they might have some extra kind of taped up Let people go home for the holidays That would give time for Jericho and Moxley to quarantine um, And get into the country and make it in for Tokyo Dome So
4: I think it's possibility. The My biggest thing is um, if I'm those two guys, I want to do it because that's probably one of the biggest paydays you can get all year, and that's pretty awesome. But if I'm like Tony Khan, and I know they are independent contractors, but if I'm Tony Khan with all the, like, variabilities surrounding the travel, the restrictions, the quarantining, the exposure, everything like that, I would just be like, don't do it. And they're probably not going to do it if he tells them not to do it. And I I, and it's not even really a uh, competition thing. It's just logistically. I think it's too hard. Especially. Oh, go ahead, Karen.
3: Oh, no, I was going to say, especially after Mox got sick after the G1 two years ago, there was that concern about, you know, even though, you know, it wasn't COVID related. It's one of those things where, again, you're you're you have to it's taking a very significant risk. For the sake of a payday, that could probably—I know it—it's it, not ideal that they don't have it, but it would be preferred, possibly, at a safer time. Right. And if they really need that U.S. belt back, he just needs to drive from Vegas to L.A. and just pitch it outside the dojo and drive off.
2: <laughs> and I think the most interesting thing too is for Mox. Also, he's—he's still the current AEW champion. He defeated uh, Eddie Kingston this weekend. He we kept the
1: belt. Okay. Yeah, so He
2: still has the championship. Uh, Kenny Omega is now the number one contender. I have a hard time seeing them do Omega mocks on TV before the dome for a title. So no. I, yeah. So I think that's going to be the main event for February for evolution. So Mox is still going to be your AW champion. So that's going to be kind of a hard position to, to, for Mox to be in as well.
4: Yeah. Speaking to that though, that kind of relates to, um, the other match with Okada, like, for instance, with what what you're talking about there is, like, there wouldn't be as much drama, obviously, if he comes in. If uh, Mox comes into the Dome as the AEW champion, he's probably not going to drop the red strap until he drops the AEW title, most likely. Like, not that he wouldn't do business, but, like, you can't have your world champion jobbing out, like, a lower card title in another company overseas. Like, that's probably just not going to happen. Right, right. With that being the case, we were talking earlier about um, Okada and Osprey and Karen said she would like to see it for the red pro title and I I don't disagree. I would too, but there's a part of me that thinks maybe they shouldn't because I can't see Okada winning that title and actually doing tours over there with the current climate. And so that would be like almost a tell for me that Osprey's for sure going to win. I kind of think the fact that there's no title on the line leaves like the possibility of a winner like much more up for grabs and maybe they could do a title match later when like the situation's a little different you know right
3: yeah like a grudge match would be good but the, my, my my thing is is that the folks at RevPro that are still in England I don't know if they're running shows or not but like their their championship is on the other side of the planet right. so even if they were to run shows they can't they don't have a world champ a world heavyweight champion to ha- like have a match with
4: well, so it, for did... me, it's
3: more it's kind of unfair to the people at work in Rev Pro that are just like, oh, yeah, wait, we don't have a belt.
4: How many weeks of tapings did they do for those epic encounters? Do you know? Because they're still running. I, I'm not 100% sure. I feel like
2: they, they pulled a strong. and they just taped a – you no know, crap ton of shows that's what they
4: did um, Yeah. cuz they knew that
3: but but Osprey's brought the belt back to Japan with him didn't he cuz I have before he had it with him in the G1 so here's
4: he here's the beautiful thing about it he's the champion over there they did a bunch of tapings and the funny thing is that he actually checked with New Japan and he's like okay when am I turning heel and then he turned and then he came out with his heel persona on like the fourth or fifth week when he knew it was going to like air yeah. So, like, this whole thing's been, like, forethought, but I don't know how long those RevPro tapings last. Like, I don't know if they just did, say, like, eight episodes, and then right. they're going to run out, and he's going to have to go back or something. I don't know.
3: Like, like how does the belt get back to RevPro? If so, if someone's taken the belt off of him, theoretically, in all of these tapings, do do they have a second belt? They, like like, here, you just hang on to this one with you in Japan, and we have a, don't worry, we have a backup on the shelf.
2: Maybe he is going to lose it. Yeah, that is a great possibility. I didn't think about
4: that. He could lose it over there and then maybe just ship it back. I don't know.
2: Or, yeah, or like Karen said they have like a replica that they use until they can get the real one back or something yeah. like that. They could so have I
3: mean, a- I don't see them va- – I mean, they they haven't taken the belt off of him. I don't see him vacating the title. But, again –
4: They could do a briefcase.
3: <laughs> how, how dare you? How dare – no, it's a lunchbox. It's a metal lunchbox. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: But back, uh, I think we answered this question. Back to J-Tom's question, and, you know, I don't completely remember the point I was trying to make, but this is essentially what it is. We're at a point in New Japan's history where a lot of the top stars of yesteryear, their stories have been told. It kind of all culminated in, like, a six- to seven-year arc with Naito winning at the Dome. And now we're starting to see the emergence of new stars like Sonata, like Osprey, like Evil, people that are kind of stepping out. We're seeing new factions form. We're seeing, um, you know, new things happen. And so I'm hoping that this problem that they're having where they're having to recycle used matches is like a once-ever sort of situation, and going forward, we're going to start getting new big programs that are protected going forward because... As great as New Japan is at making stars, oh, this is the point that you made, That 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 is a problem. New Japan plays it too safe sometimes. And while they are one of the best star-making machines in pro wrestling, they've done it too slowly in some cases, and it's one of the things that's holding them back as they're facing an aging roster who've gone through countless battles who are slowing down. And that is the case with a lot of these guys and it will be continuing to go forward. So they got to start pulling and they are starting to pull the trigger, but like we're in the problem with this, with this Tokyo dome um, situation because of that. The, the And this isn't good by any means. I don't really want to want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying, but there is a sort of silver lining to the COVID situation in that, They only do have to draw 20,000 each night. And normally, I don't know if they would have drawn the 40 or more thousand that they they traditionally would have.
3: Not on a Monday, Tuesday, because it's it's Monday, Tuesday this year. And those are the first days of work at the new year.
4: Not with this booking. And so it is kind of advantageous for them.
2: Uh, So next question here from our man Imp over from LLP Radio. He says... Uh, what do you make of Naito Demanding that he faces Ibushi on January 4th I guess if Jay White Relishes being the ultimate main event on the 5th It fits his character, but the rules
4: <laughs> I don't even know what the rules are
2: <laughs> uh, I think he's just relating to Kind of, you know, the briefcase Kind of uh, guess being, being defended On January 4th, typically um, So I don't know, but I feel like we kind of like Touched on our thoughts on, on Naito Demanding Ibushi uh, so next question here from uh, Reddit user Jay Spammer. He says, did either of you get the feeling that Naito felt sympathy for Ibushi given that he was in his current situation last year getting included in double gold dash without a title or briefcase?
4: You mean, you mean Naito didn't deserve to be there last year? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Naito, he's paying it forward, uh, giving Ibushi a chance to be there. Uh, Next question here from our user highest fly flow He has two questions Since Nigel has threatened the IWGP committee With not attending the dome shows And with the entire mess that has been created Would we think briefcase offenses will no longer be a thing Starting next year Right,
4: right? I doubt it The only only thing that is kind of nice Is next year Because of the Olympics The G1 is going to be probably Most likely around the same time of the year Next year Mm Mm-hmm the only reason that the briefcase like defenses really were even a thing was because G1's at August and you know the the Dome shows in G- January. So I mean, it's a lot of time you got to kind of pass and a lot of events you need to fill. But if you're like literally just going from November to January, there's really no reason to do this whole song and dance and pony show and all that. It's stupid.
2: Right, you could just do like a big tag match at power struggle with the G one winner and somebody from his stable against a champion somebody from his stable.
3: I just need them to split the belts up. <laughs> they, the, they could have belt. They have briefcases for until, until the dogs come home. I don't care. I just need the belts to be liberated. I need I need people to be able to have, the people that are there all the time that do the work, deserve those opportunities.
1: Yes,
2: and that plays into his next question. He says, "Since the matches have pretty much been announced, are they really not splitting the belts?"
4: They're really not for now. I mean, my whole thinking was that this would last a year, and it has lasted a year. But if it continues to last beyond this, I'm gonna be like kind of blown. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Like but- at, at what point do they ab- absorb the IC title into the world heavy, the the heavyweight championship? That's and my thing is that the IC belt it's always been a good belt for. Those who can't hold the heavyweight championship, I guess we're so used to seeing it like Okada have it and Tanahashi have it. And it was like that was like the belt for people that were like in that same echelon that couldn't hold the heavyweight belt. But now that Naito has been schlepping, God bless him, schlepping those belts around, it's like, what's the point of having both of them?
4: Right. Do you not think that it's a rib?
3: A rib on
4: the champion that they have to carry two belts around everywhere that they go. I think it's a rib.
3: I think that's why he drags them everywhere. He's like, like, he's like like, the heavyweight belt alone is like 27 pounds or something something ridiculous. And he's like, you want, he's like, is it supposed to balance me out? I don't know what you're doing with this.
2: And also to your point too, Karen, you know, Nakamura did such an excellent job, you know, elevating that IC title, even to the pack where it, it got voted in as the main event. Of a Tokyo Dome, like he elevated that, and he was such a, a huge star. Like there, exactly. like after Dr. Borrell held that title, after you win that title. It's like man, like you're kind of you're like a popular star. You're kind of that guy that maybe you, you can't, you'll n- never win the IWGB title, but you're still really popular. You can main event, you know, you know, a New Beginning um, in Sapporo. You can main event a Destruction. Um, you can main event some, some 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 bigger shows and kind of being like a top star. And people are kind of losing that opportunity, but that maybe a challenge for that IC title.
4: Listen, I'm not the one who usually likes to introduce AEW talking to the podcast. That's generally you, but there is one thing they are doing really good that I think does need to kind of be addressed. Cody Rhodes has been carrying around that TNT title and has been talking it up as if it is equal or higher value than their world title. And recently talked about how like, He went through a list of guys that could challenge for it He's like john moxley could even challenge for this title It's the ace belt and it reminded me of what nakamura used to do when he was the IWGP intercontinental champion talking about how like Because he held it it was the top title and that's something that like in the past new japan has struggled with because you had the story with naito trying to destroy the thing which There is merit to that story. It was a good story, but times where like Okada's talked about not wanting to hold the belt and devaluing devaluing it and like guys kind of treating it like a holding pattern until they can get to the main belt and I like the old days when Shinsuke held it and it wasn't seen as a secondary belt but another top title another top prize and I think that they need to get back to that point like I think it being merged with the world title in a sense it seems crazy that it would devalue it but in a sense it does because yeah There's no focus on it It's an afterthought It's right. a side yeah. note
2: at, at this point they should just make it a double crown If they're, they're not If they're going
4: the to do that They should just do that And then just elevate The never title Right And maybe get rid of the red belt We don't need it
2: Alright so uh, Moving on to the next question uh, Kevin from DC Says let's talk about Jay White In your eyes Is he a big enough star To walk out of the Tokyo Dome With the double goal He seems to be well enough Liked by the Japanese fans And he has definitely Improved his stick In the last three years it was obviously important enough to try that That they went ahead and changed the briefcase For the first time ever. Also, it seemed like they were Heading to Bullet Club Civil War between him And Evil. Do you see Evil being Jay's First challenger at the new beginning if he wins? It sounds like a good first program for me Josh, look out. An Evil question. Take a shot
4: <laughs> um, Could he win? Yes. Is he a big enough star To do that? I don't know if Right now he is, but I think if they were To do that, it'd be quite an elevation So that'd be a pretty big deal um, I don't see it going that way for like we talked about historically. They just they don't put over heels in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, they might have Kenta run in and, you know, beat up Naito and ruin his party. But they're not going to, you know, have a heel standing tall with with, you know, the IWGB title. They just they don't do that. So I really doubt it. And um, I don't know. Do you think that there's like do you think people are going to pay to watch a IWGP title match between Evil and Jay. I can't match. <laughs> I yeah,
2: don't I, I don't think so. Um, you know, they have been elevating Jay, obviously since he's been back, and you know he's former champion, and you know they've made him a top star. He's kind of one of those pillars of the, the promotion right now. So, I mean, I could see him leaving a Tokyo Dome as a champion, but I, I as, as a heel, I don't know if that would be the right move to do.
3: In a perfect world. Ibushi wins. Jay expects evil to help, and evil doesn't. Then they start their feud without any belts.
1: Mm, yeah.
3: Their I... th- their feud does not need belts.
2: Yeah, I would. Because
3: more is at stake. The honor, integrity, and history of Bullet Club will be at stake. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the integrity of the Bullet Club. The <laughs> <laughs> structural yeah. integrity of Bullet
0: Club. Asterisk.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll... i would... I think they need to get King Haku involved in this civil war, just like the last one. Mm-hmm. Have
2: Haku lay out evil.
4: All right, hey, <laughs> we're going to talk about... Um, How
3: dare you? He's laying out <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: who What was that, Dom Homie 101? Uh, so that's the next question. Okay, Dom Homie 101 asks us, do you think that it would be would have been better to do a Bushi versus White for the briefcase on night one, with the winner facing Naito on night two for the double gold, maybe do Naito versus Sonata for the IC titles, the main event uh, for night one, instead of doing what they are currently doing, which is exactly what Karen wanted to do.
2: Yeah. And we, yeah, we've kind of talked about that. It. it made more sense to have that contract match on the first night.
4: I'd rather have Hiromu in the dream match, but that's me personally.
2: Yeah. I, I'm I really want that. Hiromu but, match, but That would
4: go against my booking of having the super junior and Jake, you know, Jacob, uh, you know, winners fight each other. So, right.
3: Oh, shows winning. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he could win. Possible. He, ne- yeah. he needs the win, but we'll get into
2: that <laughs> yeah. uh, Next question from our buddy Rich He says, uh, who kidnapped the real Gato And who's that guy replacing him after New Japan Returned from COVID break He says, also, hashtag free Tanahashi <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, Yeah, I mean, Gato's had a really tough year uh, I think he's done a good job considering But there's been some stuff that I haven't been a fan of
2: Yeah, been, been some questionable booking this year We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll let it play out, what like they say, and we'll see wh- where this goes.
4: I will tell you this, though. This is the first time since Gato's been booking where I haven't said, I'm going to give Gato the benefit of the doubt because he always delivers. Because there's been a few times this year where I said that and he still didn't deliver. <laughs> and, and then I felt heartbroken. So, <laughs> so now I'm just like, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
2: Uh, next question from uh, EMJ does PR in our discord. He says Would you belt up Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom In front of 20k or wait till Dominion Where you could, could possibly COVID pending fill a larger stadium with more People
4: I think my thing is this We don't know what's going to be happening at Dominion. Like we have no Idea if we're going to be able to fill up You know Osaka Joe Hall or whatever So and
3: that'll be around the Olympics
4: Yeah So it's kind of like the Drew McIntyre thing. Like last year they just had to do it because they didn't know. It's like, just fucking do it. It's a He fucking rules. Put the put the titles on him. Let's go. Because you know what? Like, as much as I love Tanahashi and he's my guy, like his IWGP days are behind him. So I'm ready to like jump on this abushi wagon, like full, full like steam. And I never have. I've never fully committed to the guy, but I'm ready to. <laughs> but they, they need to give me a reason to believe that they're going to go with him. And, like,
2: I don't trust them. Yeah, I mean, 20K is more than zero. Like you mentioned, McIntyre, he had to win his title in front of an empty arena. So 20K, is, that's enough, I think, to put the belt on Ibushi. And like we said, we have no idea what the world's going to look like come Dominion time. And also, the, the whole complications of the Olympics also. Um, I, I don't see why you can't have a, a, another big main event with him. You know, defending the title, maybe he loses the belt before then. He regains it at Dominion, but I would definitely strap him up for the first time here at the Dome.
4: They don't want to go with Bushy because he he didn't train in the funky dojo like all the rest of them boys.
3: <laughs> well, no, cuz Dominion would be a good place for Jay to get the belt. Back. If they were going to like send the fans home, they the, I, I love Osaka, but Osaka tends to get the shows where where the yeah. people the, the bad guy tends to win at Dominion.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny
3: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> Like Kenny <laughs> What's up uh, Rich <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh man um, And then the last question here from EJSPR He says, is Jonathan Moxley going to be at the Dome Jonathan Moxley Defending <laughs> 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 the, the US Heavyweight Championship And we kind of talked about this um, Maybe, maybe, not
4: 100% sure But if I was a bet man, my bet is no Especially since it's Again, they, they only got to do the 20k Which Years ago, would have seemed really hard, but I don't think it's as hard as it was once upon a time. You know, yeah. I don't think they're going with him. I think like I think they'll bring him back when they can bring him back, and I don't know. I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah.
3: They just better give Kenta a better briefcase. But before then,
4: <laughs> also Osprey did it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've been telling you. I'm just telling you, Osprey did it. Did what? Oh, everything he was accused of.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I All knew right. I liked
1: you, Jeff <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alright, let's move on now to <laughs> Best of the Super Junior 27 And World Tag League Both these tournaments are kicking off On November 15th um, So we kind of went over the field Last week here on the show um, But let's go Let's talk about the guys real real quick Who we think's winning this thing And going over night one So obviously we have Rich Gucci Master Wato, Show Robbie Eagles, Hiroto Takahashi, Bushi Elsperado, Shinobu Kanamaru, Doki, and the current champion Taiji Ishimori. Oof. So Karen, out, out of that field, who do you think has the best chance of winning this year's tournament?
3: Now, of the popular names and former champions. I don't think there needs to be a repeat winner. Mm. Jiguchi doesn't need it. Hiromu doesn't need it. Bushi doesn't need it. Ishimori, I love him. He doesn't need it. They need to... Like, we were talking about minting new champions. They need to mint a new champion. Doki. How dare you? (laughs) But it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, was that, again... I also want New Japan to start proving to me the worth of their dojo system because they keep bringing in guys and strapping rockets to them. I love me some Robbie Eagles. Love the boy to death. He's lovely. I don't need him to win right now. Mm. I need them to pull the trigger on show because this might be their only chance with Yo out injured.
2: Young boy, what are you thinking?
4: Well, you know, um... It's cheating, but I always like to really look at the schedule to kind of get a feel for what... It's not like the definitive answer about what's going to happen, but when you can see how many main events and semi-main events, you kind of get a feeling for what they're doing, and clearly Hiromu is a huge focal point of the tournament. I think he does make sense as a winner for a few reasons. Number one, he had a huge long layoff, so this is his first Super Juniors back and he's the most marketable name in the in the field, so there is that way to go. It is a little safe, but that's what you could do. Um, one surprising name that has a lot of semi and main events that like people would be surprised on because I think personally he's the the worst person in the entire field, at least from what he's shown us since he returned from excursion. Master Watto, they might be going with Master Watto based oh. on that news, <laughs> um, but. I originally thought maybe Robbie Eagles might be a cool way to go, but they I, he kind of seems to be slotted in that Jeff Cobb, Jonathan Gresham, you know, kind of feet like spot in the tournament. Mm-hmm. If I were to guess who's going to win this thing, there's really personally only three names that actually make sense to me. It's either Hiromu, it's either Master Wato, or it is Show because Show had a fantastic year. He really like. Proved himself working Not only as a junior this year But also in the open weight Categories when we first came back from COVID And he, I think Rapongi 3K is done personally I think when Yo comes back They will not be together I think that show this If you're going to go with the guy And it seems that they're very high on him Even if they haven't pulled the trigger yet This is an opportunity to really like Prove their point and do that My only real question is Haruma is a big star. If he doesn't win, what's he do at Wrestle Kingdom? That's the big caveat.
2: Yeah, that's that was the point I was going to bring because I agree with both of you guys. Like I do think, like you mentioned, Karen, you, you got to you know show that the stock in the dojo system, prove that you know you're you're creating stars, you're creating your own guys, and the Sh- show's been incredible this year, especially all the stuff with Shingo. His his running the New Japan Cup, and so he's a guy that. Should get, you know, a big junior singles match Especially with Yo being out, you know Show versus Taiji Shimori. that would be a great Matchup for one of the Knights of the Dome but Then to your point, Josh, with Hiromu, it's like Hiromu is this kind of big, markable Star, he had an IWGP title match This year, it's like, what do you do With him if he's not winning This tournament, I guess I do have an answer. You could have it's
3: the tag titles at the dome because they're the only other tag team.
2: Well, hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I but I agree with her. (laughs) Yeah, but, but since this is a single block tournament, you could have Hiromu get his win back on Taiji, so he pins the champion in the tournament. Fails to win the tournament. Let's say he loses the show in the finals, but he still has that win over Ishimori. There's two nights he could say, hey. I pin Ishimori, I want a shot on one of the nights, and then you could do Hiromu-Ishimori rematch one night, and then the winner of that makes it show the next night.
3: But what's the stakes for the Super J-Cup winner? Mm. You know they're going to bring that into the dome somehow.
4: Yeah, and It's it's, either going to be
3: a triple threat or a four-corner match. It's going to be grossly (sighs) overbooked.
4: And you know what? I told Jeremy on the last episode, at this point, I'm completely fine if they give us a four-way. Fuck it. Let's just do it. They want to give us the four-way. Those matches are always awesome. They want to do the triple threat. That's fine, too. Whatever they want to do, like, I'm kind of cool with it at this point. I don't really want to see another Hiromu-Taiji Ishimori match. Like, we just saw it. Like, I'd be cool to just not do that for now. Mm-hmm. Whatever they want to do. But that's, like, the one outcome I'm not really that stoked about.
3: Yeah, I, I, but I don't want it to be, like... Taiji versus ELP versus Robbie Eagles in the, the battle for Taiji's love and the, <laughs> uh, the heavyweight championship belt.
4: One thing, um, if it was show and we're just playing fantasy booker here and ELP does win the, uh, J cup, which I think is the most likely scenario. Then there is that aspect of the booking that I threw out last week. You have the winner of the two tournaments fight on the first night. You know, show does kind of ha- have unfinished business with ELP. He lost that uh, British Cruiserweight title match that was really good uh, to him last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could potentially overcome him. And then he beats Ishimori. And we're finally in the era of show for the first time ever.
2: Yeah, I, I would totally with oh,
4: that. And then when Yo comes back, we can get the feud. Yeah,
2: there you go.
3: <laughs> well, that's that's what I was hoping for was that, you know, Best outcome, Show gets the belt at the Dome. Yo comes out. Happy reunion time. Rocky's there. And then Yo turns and challenges for the belt.
4: And he joins the Bullet Club, and they get another junior.
3: <laughs> Tomatonga has my blessing to take Yo and or Show to keep them from the Empire. i now say it publicly. Do not let my boys go to the Empire. Send Robbie to the Empire.
4: Yo to the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Bobby Eagles? To the Empire, sir. But um, what about
2: Suzuki Goon? That's
3: you possible. mean Taichi Goon because that's coming. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I mean, all right, let's. I mean, let's talk about the other guys real quick. Taguchi, could he win? I say no. No, I don't think T- so.
3: Taguchi's he's in the uh, he's in the veterans old guard area. Yeah, he can still go, but he's been off. He hasn't really done much this COVID area era time. Kind of bummed that Tiger Mask isn't in it though, but <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Mask has had a rough year as well. So,
4: do we have a is Bushi a candidate? Because I say no.
2: No, I don't think Bushi's nope. nope.
4: All right, I'm not
3: interested in Bushi as champion. Kanamaru,
4: <laughs> nope, nope. And then uh, Doki, no, no, <laughs> Ishimori, and I say no because he's the champion, it makes no sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So- The one guy that I have kind of held off on, what are our thoughts on Despy? Because I've got a feeling that even if he doesn't win, he might be a factor at the end. Like, just based off the vibe that they've been giving me this year, I think that he's not going to win it. But I could see him, like, in the finals, potentially.
3: I could see him getting to the finals, especially if it's against show, because – Show tends to lose to Despy a lot, especially in the PJ Loco. Um, but I would also love to see Hiromu versus Despy in a singles match at some point. Right. Because they, he was one of the original challengers for Hiromu's belt before Hiromu got injured in his Dragon Lee match.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yeah, I definitely think Despy is going to finish at the top of the block, either first, second, maybe in third. But I definitely think he could go to the finals, and like you mentioned, either. Finals against Show, finals against Hiromu. I think it makes a lot of sense, but I don't think he's gonna win it though.
4: All right. Well, I think we've kind of explored this. So, I mean, what is your guy's official prediction? Who do you think's taking this thing?
2: I'm gonna go with the safe bet. I'm gonna go with Hiromu. Karen.
3: Oh, I'm going. I'm Show all the way. It's Show's year. <sighs>
4: I'm going to go wild card and say Master Watto's taking this <laughs> oh my You
3: are not. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't I can't say with a straight face. You're not taking this.
4: <laughs> well, like, here's the thing. To me, if you want my honest opinion, this is not really best of the Super Juniors. This is, f- like, f- Fa, like, best of the fall Juniors. I don't know. It doesn't seem real to me because it's not the same field. It's not two blocks. It's in December. I feel... I have a feeling that they're not going to go as hard as we're used to seeing them go for Super Juniors. Maybe they will, but I just have this weird feeling it's just not going to be what we're expecting. Um, so, like, I'm not really as invested into it as I normally would be. It, you know, it's my f- favorite tournament, one of them, anyways. Um, I don't know. You, you, took Roma, you took Show. Those are the good answers. Watto's the the outlier. I, I just f- figure it makes good audio. I might as well <laughs> take them because I don't actually have a fixed like. Because I don't really know what's happening. Is That's the real truth. I don't know who's winning and I don't know what they're doing at the Dome because it's two nights and it's really hard to predict at that point. I think Hiromu just makes the most sense because he's the biggest star. They got tickets to sell. Might as well push him, but maybe they go he, with Watto. He
3: could also go heavyweight very soon as well, though. <laughs>
4: I don't think he's going heavyweight very. I don't think he's going heavyweight in the near future he, at all.
3: He and Despy are both looking a little thicker on the middles, though.
4: <laughs> that is true. But Tai Chi was like a heavyweight for years and never like. And, and Taguchi. Dude, Taguchi's a heavyweight. Taguchi's been a heavyweight for years. We, we know. We <laughs> know. <laughs> his,
3: his belly dumb lapped his belt. We know. Uh,
2: so, night one. Uh, so, November, November 15th is actually going to be a combined night with Best Super Junior and World Tag League. But just looking at the Best Super Junior part. Uh, so we'll have Robbie Eagles taking on Doki, Bushi taking on Sho, Yoshinobu Kanemaru taking on Master Wato, Rishika Deguchi taking on El, El Sprado, and the main event will be the rematch from Jingu Taiji Ishimori versus Hiromu Takahashi.
4: We did have one question from uh, MSIC010. He said, how well do you guys think Master Wato is going to do in the upcoming best of the Super Junior Tournament? I think that we expected him to do a lot better in his initial runs in the company against guys like Doki and Kenemaru. Wasn't really the case. I think this is the one time that they are going to push him just because he's in a lot of main events and a lot of SMMN events, and that tells me that he's at least going to do well in the tournament. I don't know how far he'll go points-wise, but I think he'll be like in play and be alive towards the end.
2: Yeah, I think this will be really his chance to shine as well. You know, he kind of getting his, his feet wet when he came back with the whole Doki feud and the, the Kanemaru feud. And so, you know, he's had some time, time off during the G1, some time to kind of recoup, re-strategize, you know, get some training in. Uh, I think this could be a good showing for Wato.
3: I think he might actually, on this first night, avenge his loss to Kanemaru.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. If
3: you're going to talk about an upset, a win for him, it would probably be avenging this one match.
4: Yeah. This is a night of a lot of rematches and the culmination of a lot of like little stories that have led up to the Super Juniors this year.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, we've seen Doki and Eagles kind of going at it on Twitter. Bushi and Chill with the history between Rupungi 3K and LIJ. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stories here.
4: And obviously, the main event, Ishimori and Hiromu. Just recently you know occurred And then same thing with uh, Kenimaru and Watto so
2: Yeah So then let's take a look at the World Tag League We had the the teams announced Finally this uh, morning While we were sleeping (laughs) Um, So we have uh, Finjuice, Juice Robinson, David Finley We have Dangerous Techers, the current champions We have Gorillas of Destiny Tanahashi and Toa Hanare Yoshihashi and Roki Goto Toriyano and Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo and Sonata, Evil and Yujiro, Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens, and Great O'Con and a mystery partner.
4: So, do we want to talk about this entire field of competitors, or do we want to talk about the thing that everyone's wondering about: who the fuck is X?
2: Well, let's talk about X. Who, who, <laughs> do, who do we think, Karen? Do you have any ideas who, who X could possibly be? And let's right.
4: speculate wildly. <laughs> All right, wildly. So. <laughs>
3: I saw there was notes that Jeff Cobb's just floating around Japan until the Tokyo Dome. So Mm -hmm. Jeff Cobb would be a logical option since he's there. But since he's been a baby face up until this point, it would just be kind of weird unless they're trying to lend some credibility to the empire because he is a well-known wrestler. Um, Wild speculation. I think they could slot easily slot in a, Showed to Umino because Shooter. he's supposed to be in Rev Pro for his excursion <laughs> ta- yeah, and he can't get back that. there. Um, th- another wild one, which isn't going to happen because he's working on New Japan Strong on the twelfth, would be Hikaleo showing up and not joining Bullet or leaving Bullet Club mm, to just he's, fill he's, just to be that body.
4: He's not allowed to do that. correct
3: (laughs) he can't abandon the family
4: his dad would kill him
3: (laughs) and then the other option would have been call fredericks but he's also working new japan strong so he's not going to be there and then i thought about either uh mark davis or kyle fletcher aussie open from rev pro but i remember that injured for a while but i think he's better now so splitting them up and making one of them tag with okarn instead of tagging together I wouldn't mind seeing them in a new Japan ring because they they were on Royal quest against GOD back in 2019. 2019? Yeah, last summer. But that's all I have.
4: You threw unless out they're,
3: unless unless Osprey going to decide that he wants to be in the center of attention again.
4: So there's a lot of names that you threw out that we've kind of speculated about. Some we haven't and those are all great you know um, possibilities. I've got someone that I think it might be. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I'm going to look like a genius.
3: <laughs> Big brain energy.
4: I think it might be Mikey Nichols. He's kind of been forgotten. Um, He's like right across like the, you know, he's right there. He's oceanic. And, oh. I you,
3: have Mikey right there. <laughs>
4: wow. And I think that he, um, it would kind of suck for him because they would, well, it would be good and bad because a, it would be something new, so it would be a fresh fit. But B, I think he'd be coming in as the pin eater, which yeah. is kind of what they need. And that's yeah. why I think he makes the most sense. Um, Jeff Cobb is being speculated about a lot, but I kind of agree with you, Karen. It's like, if they're going to bring him in the group, A, he's not going to be O'Con's pin eater, A. No. And B, there's he, he, he might be a great fit for this group, but at least... Do it in a spectacular way where there's an angle and intrigue. He doesn't need to
3: be a tag wrestler, though. He needs to be their monster. If they're going to put him there, make him their yeah. monster, like, enforcer, I, I the icy title on him, it's fine.
4: I think if they're going to draw with him, they need to do an angle that gets attention from the the audience so that people are, like, Googling it and trying to look it up and subscribing and checking it out. If it's just like, oh, he's coming out the first night, he's x that sucks. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I yeah, I have no idea who X is gonna be. Uh, you know, you make a great point with Mikey Nichols. Even though I did see something in the Observer that there, there was talk that Mikey Nichols couldn't make it to Japan for some reason, but maybe that's a work.
4: Um, you know who was in Japan and had to leave? Ooh, Rio Lee. Mm, yeah. We didn't. Wait, even talk wait, wait about my
3: audio cut out. Who was that?
4: really Lee was in Japan
3: getting ready. No.
4: Yeah. So we don't know exactly what happened, but really was supposed to be in this super juniors. He came to Japan. He was doing his quarantine and then he had to leave and nobody knows why he
3: didn't get pulled for like ROH or whatever did he?
4: That is a speculation that there is a conflict of uh. dates between <laughs> final battle and super juniors. But you know, a lot of people think it also could have potentially. and we're not saying this is what it is, but the first thought is maybe it's COVID related or maybe or uh. something of that nature. We actually don't know what it really was because there's nothing confirmed. Yeah, but he was supposed to be in this field, and then and he was there. He actually was in Japan, and after a few days, went home. Sad. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, back to X. Um, yeah. Also, it could be somebody from Rev Pro. I mean, like, like you mentioned, Shiro, Shiro Umino, or just somebody from Rev Pro yeah. in general.
4: Lord Gideon Gray. That's true. No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, no. I yeah. watched him wrestle
4: Swaggle in Orlando a couple years ago. It was not good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, maybe somebody from repro they're kind of bringing in or debuting. Um, could make sense, too. So Maybe. Well,
4: uh, who's that one... Um, that one young boy that was really good that uh, Will Osprey just re- Callum, uh Cal Newman Newman or? Newman Callum Newman something something like that yeah I saw that match it was pretty good that's like his like protege maybe they bring him in
2: yeah and he's young he could be a pin eater for them
3: yeah but if that was the case they could have just had Gabe Kid slot in instead of having him do Young Lions matches you know what I mean
2: maybe it yeah. will be Gabe Kid. Well, no,
3: he's working. He's. I think he's working all the young lions right, with the rest of the gang.
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah, they're doing uh, c block
4: part two for this tour. I've, it, I, it's,
3: it's the young lions versus the old old do- the dojo dads.
4: I never stopped keeping track of it. I'm actually. Con- I've been continuing the C block, and right now, <laughs> um, you is leading. Yeah, well,
2: Suji is definitely losing. He's <laughs> lost like three, three. His last three three matches. Um. <laughs> uh, so, so they're
4: giving him the Ibushi booking <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: So uh, for the World Tag League on night one We'll have uh, Yano and Ishii against Bad Luck Fale and Chase Tanahashi and Hanare against Great Okan and X Yoshihashi and Goto versus Dangerous Tekkers in a rematch Then we'll have Shingo Tanada versus Evil and Ujuro So former partners clash in there and then we'll have, uh, in the semi-main that night, it'll be Finjuice against Guerrillas of Destiny. Obviously, kind of a recall to their whole rivalry that was at the end of last year and the beginning of this year.
4: So I'll say this, personally speaking, there are only three teams that I think realistically can win this thing. Maybe four. Maybe, maybe four. But I've actually got it boiled down to, like, one team. But, I mean, realistically, my top-seeded people are either G.O.D. because they've never won it. They're finally back. They're one of the most decorated teams, and, like, they got to win one of these because, like, all the great tag teams win one of these things. They've just never done it, so it's probably their time. They're always the champions going into it, and they never win. Uh, The other two that would actually make sense, Shingo and Sonata would make a lot of sense, Now, at first, I would say no, because Shingo obviously is a champion, but there's two nights at the Dome. So maybe they could actually do that. And that would be a very exciting match if it was Dangerous Techers against Shingo and Sonata. Like, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd like that. There's obviously history between Yoshihashi and Goto against them, even just very recently. So that's like an off chance. And then there's always Finn Juice. And you can't really discount them because what else are they going to do? Like, it's fin Juice, <laughs> But I really think it's just G-O-D. Like, I'm kind of just being nice by throwing the other names out there. I think it has to be G-O-D. I think it's a foregone conclusion. I'm usually, for some reason, really strangely accurate when it comes to World Tag League. I usually get this right, and I just know it's G-O-D. So, like, I don't even really have to watch this whole thing. It's going to be G-O-D at the end. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm feeling it's going to be G.O.D. also, but the thing is, though, with this being a single block, I have a feeling we could end up with some kind of triple threat four-way match for the titles at the Dome.
3: Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, wouldn't the, you... prob- the problem with G.O.D. is that they've, they always lose the belts at the Dome. <laughs> I don't think they've ever won them at the Dome, so it would be nice to see them win World Tag League for a change become the was it seven time eight time iwgp tag team champions too so, many times <laughs> too many times way, in... way too many times yeah but yeah it would it would be refreshing to see them because you know we we've been in this pattern of sonata and evil winning or finjuice winning and it would just i don't know i, I have a soft spot for god because they, they play bad guys but they're actually really really good guys. guys that yeah. makes sense yeah Tamil's a great guy I, 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 w- I want good things for them here's the, the the big
4: problem when it comes to the single block style is the fact that the champions are in the tournaments and the champions are going to be defending their belts at the dome. So that means you're going to see them fight their challenger in the tournament once. If they were to hypothetically go to a finals a second time, but at, you're definitely going to see them at least two to three times fight the same person in a very short period of time, so unless
3: that's how they pad the road to Tokyo Dome show, is that all these titled, like, all these lost defenses are all going like literally it's going to be that's all it's going to be. Possibly so they whittle, whittle it down to we are the th- these people are going to be the ones that are going to challenge at the dome. The the
4: big problem is just it's a lot of repetition, and that's why I'm not really opposed to the idea of there being multi man matches for these two divisions. Normally I would be, but not when it's a single block title, you know. You know um tournament format Because it's just given that you're Going to see a lot of repeats after that
2: Yeah, yeah. Alright so uh any Any other uh, final thoughts here on World tag
4: league I don't know are there any matches You guys want to see <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean I really want to see the, the Shingo and Sonata versus dangerous techers Not sure what, what night that's going to be on but I feel Like that's
4: going to be a great matchup I don't even Know how Shingo and Sonata are as a tag team So like in theory it sounds good but like are they, they raw or are they I, not raw? I mean, we've I seen them know. a
2: few times team together, just the two of them, and they have done really well together. So I, I think two of them together will be a raw team and have some great matches.
4: Is this the sorriest tag team division ever in the history of Puro? It might actually be. Like, it's a, it's so much talent, but so much hodgepodge. Like, it's kind of, it's crazy.
3: It feels like a lot of them are just, like, slapped together. Yep. Yeah. Like I mean, there again, like you said, there's like a lot of great talent in there, but it's I, I always go back to when Okada and Tanahashi were teaming together against Jay. Yeah. Two incredible wrestlers, but doesn't mean that they automatically have chemistry together.
4: Exactly. Oh, that isn't that the craziest thing that like, um, the Mega Aces. Never, like, were, had any really great matches or anything. They, they had terrible chemistry as partners. It was so yeah, weird. Yeah, and they always lost. <laughs> they always <laughs> lost. <laughs>
2: uh, oh, man. So, we have some questions here real quick. So, uh, from Sen- Senor Sombrero 3K, he says, Is New Japan showing its dis- distaste and ignorance towards the tag division by not announcing the teams for tag league at Power Struggle? Tamatanga made a point about it, and I have to agree with him, sadly.
4: I think they didn't even actually know what they were doing until like a day or two ago. That's my theory. I don't even think it was like we don't like we're being like we're being secretive. I think they're like, all right, we're still trying to figure this shit out. Like, let's let's throw some junior stuff out there and we'll get this together and we get it together.
3: <laughs> I think it was they. They had too many things that hinged upon the result of power struggle right? as well as worrying about people quarantining for COVID and flying in. So it was – there were just too many movable parts that needed to be taken care of, especially if it's – there's situations where like you just talked – we talked about earlier with like could it possibly – if they were trying to get Mikey Nichols in and they were waiting and waiting and waiting but then all of a sudden he couldn't. So now it's – they're scrambling to find a replacement for whomever X is.
2: Right. And but
3: it's, it's just, it's, I don't think it's being disrespectful. I think they were actually in doing the exact opposite because it means that they waited to actually have a concise confirmed group of talent to do the shows.
2: Right. And they, they did say on commentary, like, you know, the reason why the teams aren't announced yet is because of the results of power struggle could play into what teams end up getting formed on tag league. So that, At least in kayfabe they did kind of throw that out there And um, like you were saying Karen, Yeah there's like so many moving parts of COVID And the quarantining and all that stuff Like I I think they wanted to make sure 100% they knew the feel Before throwing it out there
4: Maybe that's why X is X Maybe it's like not even like a storyline It's just there's so much quarantining And stuff going on they can't even figure out who it's going to be So they're just like uh it's X (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure it out when we get there Yeah
2: uh, we have some questions here from Ken from D.C. so says, with the Tag League participants announced, who do you see eating more pins for the team? G1 finalist Sonata or never-openweight champion single Takagi? Also, as of today, November 9th, what do you see as the plans being for Sonata at the Tokyo Dome? Osprey is too busy with Okada to defend the Red Pro title, and all the other belts are pretty much tied up at the moment. I guess Osprey could theoretically fight Okada on night one and then defend the belt on night two, but it kind of dilutes the importance of Okada match. of the Okada match if he does that. What say you?
4: Well, I can confidently tell you what's going to happen with Sonata and Shingo. Every time they have a super team like this, they drop wins equally. They just go back and forth dropping them. And the other thing is they're not going to drop that many. They'll probably be alive going into the final few nights. What's probably going to happen, if you want my honest opinion, they're going to be tied with whoever wins but lose based on a tiebreaker. That's probably what it's going to be. They're probably going to end up with a bunch of points beat most of the people, and have lost to whoever wins the tournament.
2: Right, and then we'll see... Then they'll get shoved in like the four-way because they have the same amount of points or whatever.
4: If, if there's going to be a four-way that right. you seem to be insistent on. Was, I'm <laughs> just saying that it, it usually ends up that way with these single-block kind of formats. I think this is just a, a roadblock for Sonata. I don't see Sonata and Shingo being evil and Sonata doing the whole tag thing. I really... I don't no. I don't see it.
3: If, if it ends up being a thing where... If they're not gonna give Sonata a singles match against Naito during the dome, I wouldn't be opposed to after they have this, you know, this pretty solid tag run together, Sonata challenges Shingo for the never at one of the dome shows. Cause then it gives them both something to do. <gasps>
4: oh yeah. What if Sonata and Shingo have a lot of friction and yeah. they don't get along?
2: That's what I was saying earlier. Oh that snack. That they could You know have some issues Like maybe they're doing good At first but then They start having some issues Some friction They're not used to Teaming with each other There's some friction there And then Sonata
3: has a giant chip On his shoulder Because he keeps losing everything Right And
2: then you do Sonata Shingo at the, at the dome For the never title
4: Jeremy you should be A booker bro I know dude It's almost like You've booked wrestling before
2: Gato should He should take a break <laughs> Let fly me over there. I'll quarantine. <laughs> let me get the book. You know, Karen, I'll, I'll get you show and as a junior Give me champion. The juniors, yes.
3: I'll
2: <laughs> yeah, Karen will be the booker of the juniors. I'll, I'll book the heavyweight division. Sorry, evil. No more tile shots for you. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think
4: I think we've pretty th- much theoretically answered what we think Sonata might be doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, His next question, uh, who do you think will accomplish the Gato special of running away with the World Tag League to start and then losing the last couple of matches to earn elimination? For my money, it's probably G.O.D. Gato always seems to go to them when it comes to doing well in the Tag League. I can also see Finju's doing all right again, and I wouldn't sleep on Goto and Yoshihashi doing well either.
4: Well, I'm pretty sure G.O.D. is going to win. I think one of the teams that will do well and lose will be um, Dangerous Techers. Obviously, they're the champions. They're going to do very well and probably lose. They could even go to the finals. We saw G.O.D. go to the finals as the champions just a year or two ago. And, right. um Finn Juice isn't a bad call. Neither is Goto and Yoshihashi, so... And uh,
2: then his last comment says, not really a question. He says, Balak Fale posted a story today on Facebook about the world Tag League participants, and I commented on it, wishing him well. Then he liked it. For the reason alone, I have Fale and Owens to win the whole goddamn thing. All me crazy.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, bless your heart.
2: So, I mean, I so if Kevin from D.C., he's putting all his money on Fale and Owens, I mean... You got that protective package pile driver. You got the bad luck fall. I mean...
4: It's a one-two punch combination that can't be beat. Right. And here's the thing. If nothing else, coming from DC, you popped the entire show all at the same time. It's very <laughs> rare, so congrats. Yeah. Uh,
2: then, the last question about Tag League from Dom Homie 101. It's a thoughts on the lineup of this year's Tag League, which we kind of already did. Uh, any predictions for the mystery partner for Ocon, which we kind of did. And... Uh, he says, how will Evil and Bullet Club play out with the return of Fale and G.O.D.?
4: Um, I think the Tongans are going to pick one side or the other. And I'm pretty positive about that. They will pick one or the other side. What do you think, Karen? Very noncommittal answer.
3: Well, one of the things I've noticed about the uh, the people that Thomas brought into Bullet Club, they're not all foreign And they're not all Japanese either. So I feel like there could be the possibility that Tama might come out on top once Evil and Jay have raised everything to the ground and pick the bones and, you know, piecemeal together the next incarnation of Bullet Club. Maybe.
4: Yeah, that that could, that could be. Yeah. New Japan doesn't seem to be like keen to go with him, though, like that. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> we we've advocated for it many times on this show. Um and but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So, but that that could be something interesting,
2: a whole new twist that people are not seeing. Yeah, the, the Tongans just kick both those guys out. Yeah. I'm almost ready for
4: Bolt Club to be donezo. Like I think that like they're at the point where like the merchandising They could still make money off of it because it's a legacy like nwo you can still make money off of it You don't actually have to have it active. I think it's done. I think it's dead I think it's like a parody of what it once was has been for a little while And I think all these guys could go do their own things. Jay white could do his own thing You know, I think he's ready. I think evil for sure is I think that that's what this story is going to be the culmination of That's really what I actually think. I think bull clubs done
2: it it could be it's it's been going for a while. It's had its great run, and it, it might be time to yeah end it and switch some things up.
4: Or I could be wrong, and they'll keep going forever. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's for life, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, so real quick, kind of going through our last few topics here. Oh God, <laughs> New Japan is Strong. So New Japan is Strong. Obviously, <laughs> we're not going to give you a, a full breakdown here, but we did have the Road to New Japan Showdown Night Two this past Friday. We had a uh, Fred Rosser defeating Jordan Clearwater. We had Chase Owens defeating Danny Limelight. And then in the main event, we had J.R. Kratos making his debut,
4: teaming with Russ Taylor to defeat Jeff Cobb and Rocky Romero. You know what? I forgot that Russ Taylor was coming back. I might I might tune in for that match because <laughs> I really like Russ Taylor. And that like-
3: match was a banger. It was really good. And JR Kratos
4: is really good too. So I'm
3: he's like. massive.
4: Yeah, he's awesome. He's a huge dude. And we
2: do have a question from uh, Grunty Dodds. It says that you see the, the debut of JR Kratos on Strong, do you think he's a good future in the JPW? So I did not uh, see Strong yet for this You week. didn't watch it? No. Jeremy. <laughs> uh, I
4: didn't watch it either.
3: <laughs> I watched it.
2: So what, what do you think about JR Kratos, Karen?
3: I think. If he gets familiar with the style of New Japan, he could be, certainly become an asset, especially when fighting larger guys like Jeff Cobb and probably eventually at Fale. But I still think he needs um, to be more familiar with the difference between American pro wrestling and Japanese strong style.
2: Nice. So Yeah, I definitely will be checking that, checking that match out and seeing how he did in his ABU.
4: Oh, man. what That was... Uh... New Japan showed like Road to Showdown. Yeah, Road to to Showdown. Yeah, man, this this is sad. So I try to go to Grapple just to kind of like briefly look and see like, hey, how did you know how the ratings do? They don't even have that episode up. Wow. For voting, (laughs) so like no one's rated it because it's not even up there like at all. (laughs) I think they've given up.
2: Yeah. Uh, Then (laughs) So next week will be the actual New Japan Showdown show uh, I guess night one of this tour It'll be uh, Fred Rosser versus Filthy Tom Lawler Making his return Oh nice, Brody King No.
4: Oh wait, it's pre-taped, never mind I was like, he's got the vid
2: (laughs) Uh, Brody King, Juice Robinson, and Carl Fredericks Taking on the Bullet Club team of Chase Jay White and Tangaloa And then in the main event, it'll be Tama Tonga Hey, singles role Tama taking on PJ Black
4: I mean, you remember how much I liked that match with him and Brody King. The beat, I mean, P.J. Black, that might
2: be really good. Yeah. Uh, we have a question here from just a little bear. Zero so one. It says, given how far in advance they taped episodes of strong, what do you think the chances of Super J Cup has already been taped and it's in the can um, from all reports that I've seen to be live, it's right? going to be live. So Super J Cup is not uh, taped. Uh, And then a question from Kurtz1987 He says I see Jesus and J are due to appear on next Friday Strong Uh, Do you guys think Do you guys know how much content they have taped for Strong Do they have months of episodes already in the can And do you know if Super J Cup has been taped already or not So Super J Cup is live But I'm not 100% sure how many episodes they have for Strong If you think they taped months and months of stuff
4: I don't think so Because I had a run in with one of the wrestlers from From New Japan and he had recently returned from one of them And he said they only did done like I can't remember if it was four or six weeks So I don't think that they've like done months and months I think they did like a portion and then they did another portion And I think as we continue on some of the people we saw like that are overseas right now Like Jay White and them you're not going to be seeing them anymore I think I think after that like whatever after the match with Rocky I think he's done
2: well, he's on, he's on next Friday's show.
4: Oh, then I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Who
2: knows? Yeah, so Jay Chase, yeah, all these Bullet Club guys are still on here. There's also
4: the chance they only did like four or six initially and then realized like, yo, we this might be going on. We might need to do a lot. So I don't know. Yeah.
3: One of the things I'm thinking of is that I believe for this, that's the Super J Cup show kent is listed for that show so it is possible that they could be taping more with kenta and jay because they're off the card until the dome presumably
4: maybe they're coming back too yeah well kent is definitely I, coming I, back. i would
3: i would think they're coming back because yeah. i know jay white's doing a meet and greet next week like in new york somewhere oh we gotta be so, there <laughs> um, yeah but yeah let's um, not- so it is possible that they could do more stuff if Carl Fredericks is still around because he's he's apparently not in Japan. Or Ren Narita they're sending they're se- finally sending Ren Narita back from <sighs> Japan, so they could do more tapings theoretically. Right. Rocky apparently isn't going back over to Japan anytime soon, so
4: that's something else that got announced. Ren Narita's wrestling again. That's my favorite young lion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so yes, yeah, Super J Cup card was announced uh, during Power Struggle. So yeah, Carl Fredericks will be teaming up with Ren Narita to take on Kenta and Hikaleo. Leo. So yeah, Naria back. Kenta's coming back to the stage because it's going to be a live show on December 12th. So Kenta is coming back, so that'll be our opener. Then we're going to have Clark Connors versus Impact's Chris Bay. We will have ACH versus the great TJP. <laughs> we'll have Ray Horace from Ring <laughs> of Honor taking on GCW's Blake Christian. And then we'll have last year's J-Cup winner, ELP El Fantasmo, taking on the man of the hour, Leo Rush. Uh, And we had a a question from Don Homey 101 Asking for our thoughts on the first round matchups In this year's uh, Super J Cup What matches are you looking forward to the most What are some possible upsets that we could see in the first round
4: I The the match I'm looking forward to the most Currently right now is ELP versus Leo Rush And um, you know I'm not really An ELP guy Um, I've said My reasons why in the past But this is a great style Matchup for him and that's you know, kind of a, a little bit of a tiny dream match. So it's going to be awesome. Plus, Leo Rush for the first time in New Japan. So, yeah. What do you think, Karen?
3: I actually have my eyes on Clark Connors versus Chris Bay. Mm. Um, once I'm very, very, very new to Impact. I only started watching the, over this past summer when they started um, having live shows again. Um, I think it would be a great way for Clark to do well in this tournament and find, cause he is the, you know, he is the lion uh lions break crown winner. It would be a great way for him to grad finally graduate from young lion status by at least getting past the first round. But, you know, seeing that, you know, there is an impact star listed in this tournament. I am interested and I have enjoyed the stuff. I have seen of Chris Bay.
2: Yeah, Chris Bay is awesome. I think that'll be a great matchup. Uh, the one that I have kind of circled that I'm looking forward to is ACH and TJP. Of uh, course. <laughs> uh, b- both these guys are just are great professional wrestlers. They're great veterans, especially ACH. He's kind of in this kind of grizzled veteran mode right now. Uh, some of the work he's been doing on the Indies. He's, he still does his, his high spots, but he's, you know, more, you know, psych, more psychology, more kind of a slower pace, more methodical, and leads into those high spots. Uh, and both of these guys have, you know, Tons of experience um, in, in professional wrestling, in the junior division, and I think it's going to be a great first-round matchup.
3: To piggyback off of that, actually, you know, as much as I know that ELP has to defend his championship, I actually had TJP winning this, this Super J Cup as the OG uh, young lion who from the dojo. Mm. and you know being f- previously in the tournament last year and other tournaments before that yeah but also having him be one of the people to join the empire oh
4: yeah mm. that would kind of make sense plus like they've been because like he, th- he
3: would have a chip on his shoulder he he's tried he's tried doing baby face in the states but you know people love to mm. boot jp right so it would be a way for him to be able to have a more active role in new japan which is something he keeps saying that he wants to do but yeah. also that it would be more a more organic way to bring him into a larger role without it feeling like they're forcing him to be a baby face. If that makes sense.
4: Right. There also seems to be like a nationalistic sort of aspect to the idea of the empire. So like him coming in, like really representing like Filipino heritage that also could maybe play into it somewhat. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean what two guys are more hated by the internet than like TJP and like Will Osprey, like that kind of is a. They both have
3: like. Put Gordon, that would be the third. Oh, oh my, <laughs> bro, that would be the empire. The, the, that
4: that those, would be the that'd most. That'd be the heat, empire. That'd be dude. Heat, heat. magnet. Oh my. Oh God. my God. <laughs> so, but to speak to what you're saying, ACH and TJP, I think whichever way it goes, whichever one of those two guys wins, I think they're gonna be in the finals for their block regardless, and I think it's plausible that either of them could potentially win because. They're both tied to New Japan. They both have histories there. They're not like a Blake Christian or a Ray Horse who are kind of like an unknown commodity. That's not what they are. So they could push either of those two guys. Um, I don't think Clark Connor's beating Chris Bay. The main reason I don't think he is is because I think there's probably a little bit of a goodwill play here going on between Impact and New Japan.
3: You think so? I
4: do a little bit. And I think they need, and I don't think you can have a young lion be an impact star, and it be a goodwill thing. <laughs>
2: like, well,
4: I mean, Chris it, Bay's kind of a big star over there.
2: Right. I mean, you could if it's the way to elevate Clark, and allow the guys that you they've they brought in from other promotions throughout strong, Clark has been able to get wins over them. I, in the. I know Chris Bay's bigger Chris is bigger a bigger star. But Chris Bay's way bigger star than anybody else yeah. he's faced. Yeah. Um, See, so it, it, it'll be a tough test for him. And if, if he wins, I think then Clark needs to graduate and kind of get his gimmick and... Kind of leave the young boy Stats behind
4: if he does and I'm impact I don't send my guys over there anymore Personally speaking like yeah. and that's just The way it is I think that Chris Bay will beat Clark Connors Lose to either ACH or TJP so one of those two guys will go through And then we're looking at probably ELP going through regardless To fight ACH or TJP In the finals that's what I think Yeah, yeah That makes the most sense
3: I mean, I I feel feel for Blake Christian because I'm just like, oh, that's a great addition. But part of me really wishes they would have slotted Ren Narita into that spot.
2: Uh, uh, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, man, Narita's back. Why is Narita in the tournament?
3: Because <laughs> he, he's been in a best of the super juniors. He he deserves to be in the super J Cup.
4: Right. It's fine. He'll just pin eight for Carl Fredericks for now. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves better than
3: that, and you know it. <laughs>
2: Um, and then last note I had here from the wrestling observer, like I mentioned earlier. Um so uh, even so Dave's talking about Jeff Cobb and so even though he's not wrestling on this tour, Jeff Cobb is still in Japan and staying through New Year's Dash. He's gonna be living at the dojo in training. Um, he has to be in the tag tournament, but his plan partner, Mikey Nichols, couldn't get to Japan.
4: Quote unquote. Right. So <laughs> I think it's gonna be Mikey Nichols. I don't care what Dave Meltzer's always wrong. I'm always right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, mad at Mikey Nichols back in a New Japan ring. I do. I do love the way he wrestles.
4: Uh,
2: so, we have, I th- I think we can
4: go through these things lickety
2: split. These last questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a question from BJ Baker. He says, "Do you think there's a clear disconnect in what U.S. NJPW fans online and on podcasts like compared to like compared to Japanese audience? Because a lot of times I feel like the U.S. fans a shit on the live audience is going crazy for."
4: I don't even know if we're, like, qualified to answer that. I think I'd throw that to Karen. Uh,
3: well, I actually really liked this question. I I think the Japanese fans as a whole are far more invested in the entire depth of the New Japan roster because for many of them, especially the longtime fans, a lot of the people that are in the ring, they've seen from day one. Like, we, we made, you know, people may joke about Yoshihashi or, you know hanma or other wrestlers you know that may not have the popularity outside of japan but these are people they've seen work their entire career like for the for, for yoshihashi getting that belt after 12 years there were people that have been there that entire 12 year journey so there's a lot more emotional investment um i think even though there are a lot of longer time new japan fans abroad the fan base by and large is relatively young comparatively so, we like, we don't, may not necessarily understand what the hype is about XYZ Wrestler right, and man. why they have a ridiculous amount of merch that fans proudly wave in Japan, but then they come here and their meet and greet only has like 10 people in line. Mm. So, I, I think it's, I, for me, I would like as a fan to see more people open up their. Their minds to accepting more wrestlers. I mean, it, it's easy to have one favorite or one favorite faction, and that's what you love about them, and that's fine. But it seeing the the Japanese fans sometimes confused as to why people are angry that Yoshihashi has a match, or that uh, they don't like everything that happened this summer with speaking out, and why certain things have transpired since then there's a there's an information gap there and for them a lot of what happens outside of japan that information never makes it to japan so when fans are angry about something abroad it doesn't it's not that it doesn't register with them they just don't understand the magnitude of the situation
1: Mm.
3: because they focus on what happens in front of them in the ring or backstage on camera they don't care about social media they don't they enjoy interacting with, via social media, but they don't understand the impact that that can have there of events or activities outside of their current status of what's going on, if that makes sense. Yeah. One thing
4: I think, and this is kind of more theoretical, but it, it's probably pretty logical. The fan base over in the States is essentially – an extremely niche diehard fan base, you know? So when you're interacting with fan, like podcasts like us and super fans online, like Karen and, you know, different people, it is a very like community based sort of thing. And you do get a portion of that, obviously with the the Japanese audience too. You know, you look at like the fan votes and you know, when you're looking at those most popular fan votes, you're looking at the diehards, you know what I mean? But the audiences that you're looking at over in Japan are the casual fans as well as the diehard fans kind of combined. And that's sort of what they have a leg up on that we don't really maybe completely understand. It's like they're not completely comprised of, you know, nutso wrestling fans. Like got some people over there like are just general Casual fans the way right. a WWE fan would be a casual. Fan. Exactly. And right. that's the difference, you know, and that's where the, I think there might be a little bit of a disconnect is that not everyone is a diehard. They've got a wide varying array of different types of fans.
3: And there's also the perspective where if there's something they dislike, they're probably not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't feel the need to critique everything if there's something that's flat out offensive or something that like upsets them like for example um if western chant people western fans go to a japanese show and they're doing western style chants and it's detracting from the audience being able to watch the match they will say something Hmm. or if people go to a show and leave their garbage everywhere and they don't like police their garbage when they're finished with the show they'll say something but they're they don't To make a joke, a light joke here, not everybody has a podcast in Japan. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not going to sit there and, I mean, you do have your wrestling bloggers and your YouTube content creators, but they don't necessarily dissect and evaluate and rate every single thing the way that Western fans tend to do. If that makes sense.
2: Right. Interesting.
3: If they have their favorite, if, if Tanahashi is your man, you are going to talk about Tanahashi. You're going to go to all his signings. You're going to buy all his merch. You're going to find other Tanahashi fans. Y'all are going to get together and have a great time. You're going to go drinking after the shows together. That's what you do.
4: That's crazy. (laughs) That's awesome. Well,
3: when lockdown first started, I was actually waking up at like three, four o'clock in the morning and having my morning coffee with all my friends in Japan. We were doing live. We were doing watch parties together. That's cool. So it was like one time it was a group of Tanahashi fans. Another time it was a bunch of LIJ fans. And that's the kind that's how they consume and enjoy wrestling. Yeah. For us, you know, we all have our strong opinions. Everybody has opinion and we all get into screening matches about it. Right. That's Every- how we enjoy wrestling.
2: Everybody has to have their, you know, their tweet out and their their hot takes and, you know, their opinions. So,
4: hmm. Well moving on to the next question Social suplex heater slash Spoiler who is that? Muzza. Oh <laughs> He said let's go back to January 5th 2020 you both have Just finished the wat- watching the night Two of Wrestle Kingdom and then I arrive out of nowhere in a time machine And say I come from the future Dead ass thunder sounds In the background evil is going to Become the double champion Yujiro Takahashi is gonna be in the G1 Kota Ibushi is going to win the G1, but then he's going to lose the briefcase to Jay White. What would you do knowing that stuff would happen? I'll tell you exactly what I would do. I would reject it entirely off of this one principle. If it was Muzza coming from the future to tell me this, I wouldn't believe it anyways because he's a non-credible source. So it wouldn't matter to me. Now, when the first prediction came true, I would get a little bit like maybe there was a little something to that. But then after the second one, I'd be like, all right, well, I mean, he won the G1, but it doesn't mean he's going to lose the briefcase to Jay White. After the third one, then, it, you know, a year would pass, and then i just move on with my life. So that's pretty much the deal with Maza. <laughs> oh, man. See,
3: had I not known the source was a discreditable source, I would have been like, I'm going to bet a whole lot of money. I'm going <laughs> to bet that COVID happens. I'm going to sell <laughs> off my house. I'm going to move to Japan and get over there before all this lockdown happens. That's yeah. what I'm going to do.
4: Yeah, think about how non-credible Muzzah is as a source. He came here to tell us those three things, but didn't warn us about a COVID. freaking world global <laughs> pandemic. What a terrible!
3: You had, had one job, man. One job. <laughs>
2: oh, man. Uh, next question here from Highest as Fly Flow. He says, young boy hair update. I expect that hair to have grown twice as fast and lockdown. This hair storyline better not go nowhere. It needs to end with Tanahashi versus young boy in a hair versus hair match. So young boy, what tell the fit listeners the, the status on, on the hair?
4: Well, I haven't cut my hair in two years, basically. So I don't know. It's like down to it's past my shoulders now. Yeah. But, but th- like, I don't really know what to do with it. You know, like that's the problem. Like I've been seeing a lot of the wrestlers get their like sides up like in the front shaved. And it makes a lot of sense because this is not growing as fast. And it, and like when I put my hair up, it goes wild, like out to the sides. So I probably just need to like get rid of that. The problem is like I've never had long hair like like how like girls do. So like I'm learning about all kinds of problems that they deal with. I don't really.
3: I just, I cut mine off over the weekend. I'm I think my hair is actually shorter than yours now.
4: <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So like I don't know, and it's funny because like I'm wrestling now, and they're like, "Oh, you're going your hair out to wrestle?" And I was like, "Nah, like I just stopped getting haircuts." Like I'm actually thinking about like. Whatever my gimmick might be, I might, you know, get it short again. I don't know. We'll see. So, I wish someone would just tell me like how what you, what can you put in your hair that just like makes it normal? Because mine is like wild. It goes out. Like I don't freaking get it. You need,
3: you need to get some styling products. You need to find a hairdresser that knows about humidity and your hair texture.
4: All of my hairdressers are Hispanic men who have who do really great fades. And they only take cash. They don't take Ask, cards.
3: <laughs> Ask <laughs> if their wife can help you pick out hair
4: products.
3: <laughs> Humidity is not your friend when you have, especially when you got curls like that. Yeah, my hair. No, it, it's a waste. It's a, your weight. You, you could have Tanahashi God to your hair if you took good care of it.
4: Yeah, I don't know how to take care of my hair. Like I've got like uh, volume, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> people, pay,
3: people pay good money for that kind of wave. Just saying. <laughs>
4: I just, like, I I have this one scrunchie, and I just always put it in the scrunchie and just move on with my life. That's pretty much what Rock
2: I'm doing. the, the top bun? Kind of. <laughs>
3: the, the, the man bun? Yeah. I thought <laughs> about,
4: like, you know, doing the, like, shave the sides thing, but, like, I was told that that's a douchebag haircut, and I shouldn't do it, so... Um, you should cut your hair like Shingo. <gasps> yes. Oh, you know who I was thinking... You know who's, whose hair I'm kind of digging right now? I kind of like Jay Uso. He's got, like, that weird mullet. I kind of like... That. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Shingo Takagi and James J- oh, Usos mullet are two different camps of thought.
4: They're similar though. They're you, adjacent. You should go Shingo.
3: Yeah, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go for like a faux hawk style with like, yes, I that, would recommend the the Shingo route couple highlights yeah get
2: some red in there
4: color in there Well, because i'm such a procrastinator i'm probably going to keep doing nothing and then just let the problem grow <laughs> just like all the other issues in my life my
3: problems grow
4: oh man dom homie 101 says thoughts on tony khan's comments about some of new japan's booking decisions thoughts on the carl and rocky prediction of impact and new japan working together in the near future which is like Dom Homie 101's a lot more connected than I am Because I don't know about all this I kind of do a little bit Well, so Tony Khan
2: was on Observer this weekend uh, Promoting uh, Full Gear And he was talking about um, Dominion And he was very questionable You know, why did they have, you know Dangerous Techers beat down Kanahashi and Ibushi the way they did And kind of them on each other He felt like that was kind of a, a wasted moment In the semi-main event Especially having Evil win the title in the main event Um, didn't quite understand why they ended up going with evil also in, in that, but his main concern was like Tanahashi and Ibushi and that, that's such a big moment and it kind of got forgotten about because evil won the title and you kind of forgot about that.
4: I did kind of agree with him. Uh, I agreed in the sense that like they did one big angle and then another big angle and the one big angle in the main event. So outshined it that like, until he brought it up on that podcast, I kind of forgot that that really even happened with Dangerous Techers and um, and the and Golden Ace. The only thing is, he has to kind of understand that like these angles are usually put in place to set up the next program, and the next program never came because COVID happened. And I don't think it would have been as egregious because they would have done video packages. They would have well, done. This was uh, Dominion. Was it Dominion? Yeah. No, it wasn't Dominion. I thought it, I thought it was that. New begin or okay, maybe he's right. Okay, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know.
2: <laughs> that's when uh dangerous ticker that's when they had the rematch of tickers and golden aces.
4: So what do they do? They beat them down at the end of that match?
2: Yeah, they like stacked them up on top of each other. I don't remember.
3: So my, my my take about this is that Tony Khan needs to mind his own business <laughs> and focus on his own product, especially his women's division.
4: Mm. They're trying. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. He, he needs to be less concerned about what New Japan is doing with their business, and he needs to focus in on improving and bettering his own business.
4: Karen, you can't bring mm. up women on this podcast because then we're going to get people writing in. They're going to ask us why New Japan doesn't have a women's division. Then we're going to have to talk about it. For long. It's going to be a big mess. Like, so.
3: Oh, no. New Japan doesn't need a women's division.
4: Oh, we know, but it's going to be. Bushi
3: Road has started. No. You can send those to me. I will tell them. No. Bea Priestley is, a, is the closest they are ever going to get, and she does not need to be there. She needs to be in stardom doing her stardom things.
2: I'm glad we're getting this from a woman's perspective because, you know, every, you know, six months or so we get the, you know, why doesn't New Japan have women? And we have to go through the whole thing, so. Remember that
3: I time- was at the Tokyo Dome and the Stardom match that was never aired was really good. If it's that kind of thing or like at MSG when they had the Ring of Honor girls and the Stardom girls do a collab match, fine. But the New Japan fandom and the Stardom fandom, especially within Japan... They tend to not be a Venn diagram. They tend to be like over here and way over here. They're very separate.
4: <laughs> I have my theories as to why. <laughs> but um, yeah. as far as Carl and Rocky talking about Impact and New Japan working together in the near future, maybe they know something because obviously Carl and, you know, um, guns and gallows are over there and they're going to be coming to new Japan and something's got to kind of be worked out. And then again, there's callus there. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense that they would, I'm not saying they need to work together at all, but it doesn't make sense. This cold war that they won't work together because dude, the people that like screwed over Okada and all that, they're not even at impact. It's a completely entirely different regime. So I'm like, you don't have to work with them. I'm not saying that at all. If you don't want to work with them, cool. But the the like the whole thing like we will never work with you again. What do you mean
3: you? It's not <laughs> yes. the same people. <laughs> I, I think Rocky working with them on Talking Shop and both the podcast and the production side of it, it se- makes it seem promising. Yeah. Especially after they got released, after Gallows and Anderson got released from WWE, they were they've always been very vocal about how much they l- love working in Japan, how much they value and appreciate their time in new Japan and how they would love, they, there's nothing like, I remember when they did their, uh, the countdown to F town right before talking shop or when their, uh, contracts were their non, non non-compete was expiring. They said there was no better sound than a packed Korakuen hall and they can't wait to get back there. So if that becomes an option, especially, you know, possibly working with impact and getting back onto access tv it could be a mutually beneficial situation for them
4: oh my god i didn't even think of that what yeah. what if they could get back on access <laughs>
2: yeah maybe that's the play and you know we're seeing also you know chris bay coming over from impact i mean tjp's an impact um so yeah we could be seeing this impact door being opened
4: you know what's funny uh, just throwing this out there, you know that there's like a lot of speculation and it's more than speculation. I think it is happening that AW is going to be working with cyber agent, not new Japan. Mm. Noah.
3: Well, that makes more sense because of their connection with DDT, DDT. and Tokyo Joshi pro.
4: Yep. Yep. That's what's really happening. That's the quote unquote forbidden door. And new Japan's over here working with MLW ring of honor impact. CMLL. Rev Pro.
3: (laughs) The thing is, is that for Western fans that want to dabble in Japanese wrestling, New Japan is the name they all know, especially those in the AEW circles, because of them taking starting BTE while they were over there and then breaking that off and making it into what is now AEW. Um, But my my sticking point always was. Why do you have Michael Nakazawa from DDT and all these girls from Tokyo Joshi Pro coming over if you're not going to focus on building that? That's your that is your door. Literally. You have people on on your team that can build that bridge, especially because Kenny has the relationship with uh Sanshiro Takagi from who is the owner of all of that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think People automatically assume when you hear Japanese wrestling, it it must be New Japan they're talking about. And I'm like, I don't think it is, and it shouldn't be.
4: Also, Joey Janelle is the Iron Man heavyweight champion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: All right, well, that wraps up the questions. Last thing we have to do now is the recommended match of the week. Um, You
4: guys, Jeremy is angry with me because I made him watch a fuck finish in a 1981 New Japan match.
2: I mean, I, I should have known. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, so last week Josh had me watch Andre uh, the Giant versus Stan Hansen In 1981 um, You know, kind of a wild, crazy brawl uh, It's very interesting seeing Stan Hansen And work from underneath Because usually he's, you know, a big, tall, bruising guy And usually he, he's kind of, you know, muscling people around And working on top And kind of uh, getting heat on Bayface But, you know, Andre's obviously bigger than Hansen So he's working from underneath here And you know, seeing Hanson body slam Andre, even though you know Vince told me that Hulk was the first person to do that, uh, was kind of cool here and just you know walk wild. The crowd was super into it. The crowd was super behind Hanson and warned them to uh, beat Andre. But like Josh mentioned, we did have a um, a double count out in the middle of the match. They restarted the match and then they ended up having a double DQ uh, <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the match. Up Guys, here. it was
4: the '80s. This. You, you just have to accept it. This is what happens. Were you even
3: alive in the 80s? Yeah. What, 80,
4: 88? Yeah. 89? <laughs> yeah, I was born in 88. I was alive in the 80s. Of course you were. Yeah.
2: All right. And so uh, Karen, as our guest, is going to pick uh, this week's recommended match of the week. So Karen, what tell our listeners what the recommended match of the week is.
3: My recommended match of the week is from May 27th. 2018 the best of the super juniors 25 Kushida versus show it was their first meeting af- uh, in a singles match since show's return from excursion and it was if you watch the match closely you will notice oh, that a lot of love. pardon
4: this is the match i love yeah this is the match i love <laughs> <laughs>
3: I am a woman of taste, <laughs> and this is an artful match. But it, for me, it was this was the follow-up match to the match that got me to watch New Japan, which was their WCPW match. Um, but you can watch the match and see how Kushida's wrestling style and his MMA background actually mm-hmm. helped shape Sho as a wrestler. Um, so for me, when I think about Sho's transition from coming back from Excursion to where he is now, Everyone talks about his arc with Shingo Takagi starting in 2018 when Shingo joined for Best of the Super Juniors. It wasn't Shingo, or sorry, 2019. It wasn't Shingo who started Sho's transformation into possibly becoming Sho Tanaka, future ace of the junior heavyweight division. It was this match with Kushida.
2: Mm. Yeah, I remember this match being a great matchup here, so I'm looking forward to uh, re-watching it this week here. Show and Kushida, May 27th. Best of Super Juniors 25. And, you know, it's going to be a great way to get us kicked into Best of Super Juniors coming up this weekend. Obviously, we won't have Kushida this year, but we'll have Show. So it'll be a great way to kind of get you ready, you know, for for Karen's prediction of Show winning the tournament.
4: <laughs> Karen, there is this is not like the official recommended match, but you need to go watch this. July 27th, 1978. It's on New Japan World. It's Fujinami versus Ryuma go for the WWWF junior heavyweight title. The f- I made Jeremy watch this match, and we watched it literally around the same time that we watched the Kushida show match.
3: It was Fujinami versus who?
4: Go. G-O. Ryuma oh, go. go. Ryuma Go. From 1978. It's on New Japan World.
3: Wow, we- a match that's actually older than I am. <laughs>
4: <laughs> These two matches are so similar in the way they're worked. It is crazy. Yeah. Um and that's my that's my match of the year in New Japan from nineteen seventy eight. And uh it's awesome. Like it's only like I don't know, fifteen minutes, fourteen minutes.
3: That's all it probably needed to be anyway.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but like these two matches are so similar. Like, yeah, if you like that match, you will definitely like this match. And remember when we watched Kushida and um and uh show. and show and I was like, Oh my god, it's just like Fujinami Go from seventy yeah. eight. So like it's that's crazy.
3: Amazing. I'll have to definitely check it out.
4: Well, that's going to wrap things
2: up for this week on keeping a strong style. Uh, Karen, tell listeners where they can find you online, any projects you might be working on.
3: Uh, probably the fastest and best way to find me would be on Twitter and Instagram at Hey Karen Sensei. Uh, I also do dabble in Twitch and YouTube, but those will all be linked on my profiles on the social uh, networking systems.
2: Nice, awesome. Well, Karen, thanks so much again for joining us here on Keeping the Strong Style. Great friend of the show. It's great to talk to you and have you on the show.
3: It's so great to see you guys like actually face to face. I haven't seen you since January. So, yeah. Is that
4: when the New Japan show was? Yeah.
3: That's when Tanahashi hugged me. Yeah. yeah. That's when
4: <laughs> I got. We were, we food were all poisoned. having a good time. I got food poisoning from that tavern in St. Pete. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that
2: was a rough. Like, it was like four of us. I got. Yeah, four.
4: we all got norovirus. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <Great>. <laughs> that I was. was so a rough weekend, but yeah, it was great seeing you again and hopefully, you know, once this COVID all gets cleared up we can go to wrestling shows again and hang out in person again.
3: Absolutely. I hope to talk to you guys again soon.
2: Definitely. Well I'm gonna
4: be big time soon, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll be
2: watching Josh wrestling on on the indie circuit.
4: Yeah, right. You're gonna see me jobbing. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, that's going to wrap things up. Next week, we we'll are back to review the first night of Best Super Junior and World Tag League. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com. Slash donate. Clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. You can connect with us on social media. The show is at K.I. Strong Style. Our network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are facebook.com socialsuplex suplex. Also, find us in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling squirt Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, on the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. Also, check out our Discord channel. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. And make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have Fun Nation Radio. host by Rich Lada and James Boyd. On Wednesday, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. On Thursday, we have Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. On Fridays, we have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. And then on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Hit your
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.